This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Next out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. Give me a name. I like Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Just stop yelling at me. I agree. Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast sponsored by my bookie. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Uh, Talked to you like seven hours ago. <laughs> How's it going? No, well, no. At this point, it was about twelve hours ago. At this, well, when when did we wrap up yesterday's? At eleven, eleven or so, we wrapped up our our Witcher's coming instant reaction live. Yeah, a little before eleven. Yeah. So, what's we'll going on in your life since hour. then? <laughs> yeah, well, I just talked to you for a half hour. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, I, I don't know how to answer that. It was no li- We didn't talk about life, though, Joe. We didn't talk. We talked about your 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 headset and, and microphone issues, but we didn't talk about life. We, What's we going can talk on about life. life. You, you want to talk about life? Not really, but you know, I don't really want to talk about life. <laughs> okay, then all right. So wrestling. Uh, What's going on? Yeah, I don't really have anything going on. Like pretty dull. Things have gotten I've pretty dull. Yeah, things have gotten pretty dull. There was always those kind of ebbs and flows of, of you know, even even during COVID era, it was like, oh, wow, this is why. And it's it's, it's just kind of settling into just, just kind of life. <laughs> you know what I mean? At this point, it's really just, it's just going. I, I just kind of meant in my life. I didn't mean in general. No, well. I'm just saying, like, I got nothing going on, man. I got nothing to tell you. <laughs> um, Yeah. Well, we'll say, I mean, you do, we are going to talk my bookie. Uh, in a little yes. bit here, and I know you got some college basketball in the mind, so uh, yeah. we we that will get that will be your opportunity to talk college basketball instead of doing it um, right now. But as we said, you know, just about you know last night we did the instant reaction live. Winter is coming. That is on the ten dollars tier. So the live listeners, you guys uh, can 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 listen to that if you're a freeloader and you want to listen to that. That is also available, as we said, on the ten dollars tier. The winter is coming. Instant reaction and. Um, I just was kind of, you know, 24 hours later now at this point, you know, after the event, everything sort of happened. Do you have any, have you had time to kind of reflect on it? Do you think differently about Winter's Coming? Do you kind of feel the same? Like, what what's kind of your temperature uh, 24 hours later, hearing all the reaction, hearing all the discussion? Uh, we have a little bit of ratings news a- a- as well to talk about, I guess. Um, is anything official official yet, or is it just kind of like people reading tea leaves? No, the ratings are in. Okay, so those are official, those numbers that have been floating around, those are the official official ones? Yeah, I'll give them to you. They were late today, though, right? Yes. Okay, that, Actually, so that was the, causing all the kerfuffle, is that they were late. They still aren't out. Like, the, the, the uh, Showbuzz Daily still doesn't have it up. What the hell? What are they doing? <laughs> Tony Khan put them out there, and uh, Pro Wrestling Torch some, somehow has them. So uh, the numbers are out. And last night I asked you, what you would consider nine fifty and a point four? Mm-hmm. What was your answer to that? I don't remember. I think I said yes. I, I would consider that a win. Oh, that's right. I asked you if you would, if you were in the room, would you sign up for nine fifty and a point four? And you immediately said yes. They did nine thirteen and a point four two. I think they have to be happy with that. 
particularly the point four two. And I would think that doing nine thirteen, and I asked this question, haven't gotten an answer yet, and with everything delayed, I understand that at least a quarter hour or two probably touched a million if they averaged nine thirteen. So I think they have to be happy with with that number. I mean, they beat NXT 0.42 to 0.16. I mean, that's as ugly as it gets. And the other other, uh, interesting number there is males 18 to 34. And again, credit to Wade Keller, who put this out there on the torch. Uh, Dynamite did a 0.29 to NXT's 0.04. That's not me. I'm not misspeaking. Jeez. Point, point 0.29. That's male 18 to 34. Male 18 to 34. That's key demo males, which should, you know, for a pro wrestling show, you would think that that is your, your not not necessarily your, the only audience you care about, but really kind of the target audience that, that you're used to getting is that male. Yeah, the female is great. It's obviously great to get, you know, uh, you know men and women watching, but like male 18 to 34, that's wrestling's bread and butter and always has been. Yeah, 0.29 to 0.04, which is, I mean, that's just an utter destruction. Um, And in fact, according to Brandon Thurston Howard, that tied Raw this week, the 0.29. So when you take all of this into consideration, I think you have to be happy if you're in the room. It'd be nice to put up the million average. Yeah, that, would- that, that that's that's my one problem is 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 you know what type of growth are we getting? I mean, this was really like we said, this is this is a big time moment. You know, you, you two arguably biggest stars, you must protect the stars. <laughs> right over there. Yeah, we're good. Okay, all right. Sorry, I started hearing myself uh, randomly very loudly. But uh, no, yeah, your two biggest stars, you you know, going out there and 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 you're trying to get those two. You know, you you build it up for that one moment. You build it up for this title match, this 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 special title match. Uh, both guys have, have have you know largely been undefeated as of late. They've been built up, they've been protected, all that sort of stuff. To me, okay, I, I I like that rating. I'm happy with that rating. It's good. I'm sure the network likes it. But I'm also wondering when when do we grow and how do we grow? How how do we really get to that next level? Or is there a next level? Or, or, or is this the next level? Is this it? You, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying that like to me, it's like a failure and oh my God, what we, you know, what are we doing? But I do wonder, okay, when, when are we going to finally see some growth here? Or is it just something that we have to kind of do what we're doing, make sure TNT's happy, win the demo, do well there, and then maybe the growth will happen. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. You, you know, like it, 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 does that potentially start becoming a conversation in that room of, okay, look, there's X amount of wrestling fans and we can try like hell to get new fans. But I don't know if they're ever going to be able to, you know, ever really adapt. I, I don't know. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's, to me, it's just like, where are will we ever get more fans you know, watching this thing anytime soon? Or is that just years and years down the line that we don't even know when it's going to happen? I think you're being incredibly cynical. Um, I, I don't I don't I don't think that I mean, this was a show to set up to, to try to attract new fans. I mean, when you bring Sting in and you do a big angle, and you do a big title change. Now, I'm not saying it's going to work. We don't know. But, um, you know, it's, it's 
you know, we'll see. I know it's driving you nuts. Yeah, let's can we, can we maybe just go to the laptop? It's it's not driving me nuts. It's driving everybody. <laughs> it's very loud. It's <laughs> okay. Hold on. Yeah, let's let's just maybe go to the laptop. I'd rather have real shitty quality than that. <laughs> What's going on? Sorry guys, we're I offered that option. Yeah, well now we're going to go back to the option. Anyway, so. Stand by. <laughs> technical difficulties. I don't have music. I, I should find technical difficulties music. I'm here. Okay, there we go. All right. It's yes. It sucks, but at least I can hear you. Yeah. It was hard to really have any um, like conscious thoughts. We will be well. Everything will be hopefully settled by next week. We'll get Joe a new headset, and and we they'll get they'll, they'll get used to it. I'm echoey. So what? Um, what was I saying? It's oh, 2020. I mean, it's the year of Zoom calls and other bullshit audio. Nobody cares anymore. So as long as they can hear the takes, the takes are going to sound the same. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, it's like I'm on the phone. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, we used, so, to, we used to do those phone shows every so often, so yeah. Yeah, when I was in uh, hotel rooms with really <laughs> oh, bad was, internet. There was one. Oh, my God. There was one. I think even you said it was like the sketchiest of sketch motels. I forget what it was. It was like the worst internet you've ever had. It was so bad. You sounded horrible. I heard like police sirens in the background. Where I forget. Do you remember what hotel you were at? Or are those a lot of those? Um, Does that describe a lot of the hotels that you ended up frequenting? I was in I was in Corpus Christi, Texas. Okay. If people people who are familiar with Corpus Christi, Texas, understand why you were hearing a lot of police sirens and <laughs> it sounded like you were in a crack house. It was like people getting stabbed. Yeah. Yeah. There was like doors slamming constantly. There was police sirens. I was like, "What are you? Where are you?" <laughs> Yeah, that was, you was know, this like a would, roadside um, motel or was this like a reputable, you know, hotel company? I don't remember. It was a chain. I don't remember what it was. It was either like a La Quinta or a some shit like that. It sounded like it had a Red Roof Inn sound to it. So or a Days Inn or something. But that company would book the hotels for me. Oh, ugh, yeah. And that I, I remember that hotel. It also had giant cockroaches. <laughs> and. One time I went to check into that hotel. It was a La Quinta on 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 North Beach. Yeah, let's Corpus bury Christi. Yeah, let's bury those assholes. So if you know anything about North Beach, Corpus Christi, if you're listening, you know that's a terrible area. So one time I checked in, and it, to give them credit, they'd always give me like the suite. There's one suite in this whole, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with the living room gimmick and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I remember I opened the door to the to the to the Lanza suite where they always put me up, and there were three enormous Texas cockroaches just waiting for me. One was on like the end table, one was on the living room floor, and one when I flipped the light on just panicked and it was just running around the couch and dove inside of a cushion. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not staying here." So that's the last time you know I went to the front desk. I said, "I'm leaving." You got. Three the, the room's already booked. I got you, you know, I got three friends in there waiting for. Her. I'm not saying Yeah, they're already that there. You already got you already have three guests. So you, you know, I'm just I'm I'm just getting in the way. It's it's their room and, and I was just I, I intruded on their room. Yeah, so um <laughs> then I, I remember calling my boss and I was like, Look, I'm booking my own room, I'm putting it on the company card and I you know, otherwise I'm going back home. And then from that point forward they let me book my own rooms. But yeah, that was the Lanza suite where the connection was that god awful. So we just did a phoner, I think. We just did the phoner. That was we that was our WrestleMania review, the year that Roman Reigns and the Undertaker shit the bed. I yes, remember that. Yes, show. yes, yeah. Yeah. 
So um, I remember that vividly doing that on the we did a couple on the phone from the hotels because sometimes the hotel Internet is always the worst. Disaster. Yeah, they always tell you it's good. It's always fine. Like because anytime I go on a uh, on a trip or whatever, I always try to say like, okay, I'm gonna bring my laptop. I'm gonna you know do all this sort of stuff so I can update the website and I can do and like, dude, it's like you never get on the Wi-Fi. It's like one bar. You try to do. You can't do fucking anything. It's just a absolute disaster. You 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 go to them and you say, hey, I can't connect to the internet. Oh yeah yeah no, you just got to use your you know your room number as the password. And you're like, I can't get to that site to even put in my. It's always they're never good. I've never ever once been to a place. That's had even remotely decent um, um, internet. I am uh, I'm Google mapping the North Beach area of Corpus Christi right now, and what that is a very weird area. What is a bomb go off well, there? Like, why does it look that like that way? Well, there's the battleship there that's like the big tourist yeah, attraction. Yeah, and but there's this strip that's just like empty lots and hotels. Y- yeah, that sounds. <laughs> what about happened? Right. Like, why are there just these empty lots? Are these like well, abandoned been- buildings, or did they never build anything there? Well, I haven't worked for that particular company in a number of years, so I haven't done business in Corpus Christi in a long time. So it might be di- different than when I was there because this is like, well, what year was that? Like twenty? <sighs> that was fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, the under so Undertaker Roman Reigns shitting the bed. You gotta. It's hard. It's you know, there's a lot of Roman Reigns shitting the bed WrestleMania main event. So I do mix. Wait, was up. It I know 17? it was thirty three. I know no, it was thirty three, but I forget what year. Uh, Seventeen was that okay? So that would be WrestleMania. But, that was, yeah, nobody cares, but actually that was not the same hotel room, but that, because now I'm thinking about it, that was, I was in San Antonio for that one, but um, the the Corpus Christi one was probably 13 or 14. I haven't been there because I haven't worked for that company in years, so I don't know what you're looking at. Believe me, it wasn't a paradise when I was down, <laughs> it's working just, down there. It's bizarre. It's just, but, there's like this strip of land. It, it's it's this North Beach area. It's a strip of land, and there's like one street that has a bunch of hotels on it. There's a yeah. beach, and then there's just a bunch of empty lots all around these hotels. It's very... It's probably dilapidated at this point because it was known as a terrible place to stay and, and hang. The, the thing about the Lanza Suite is I had a sliding door where you step right out onto the beach. So on paper, it was a it was except it's tremendous. you, <laughs> but it's you and you hate <laughs> you would never go to the beach. So no, I hate that. But I would sit I would <laughs> sit out there on the I would sit out there on the porch with my laptop and and work listening to waves crash and shit. That was fine. But like and, you know, and down there, there's dolphins in the water and there's mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy. Yeah, yeah. For someone like me, that's very exotic to see dolphins hopping out of the water. But um, but yeah, the problem was it was just filthy. And once I saw those cockroaches, I was like, I can't believe I've slept here a dozen times. They've probably been crawling all over me this entire time. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, um, I should have taken a clue because that was in my man whoring days when I was single. Yeah. So I'd get down there and the first thing I would do is hit up Tinder and all the dating apps oh, to try they to not get go? a little action. They wouldn't go? They wouldn't come. <laughs> when yes. I- <laughs> They're like, uh... <laughs> When I would tell them, like, sometimes I, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be trying to set it up. And some of the girls would be like, well, where are you staying? And I would tell them and they'd be like, nah, I'm going to (laughs) pass. And I'd be like, well, I'll come to you. You know, I still try to work it out, obviously. But, and then I was like, because I didn't really know the local scene. Then after talking to some people, it turns out that that's just a really shitty fucking area, like for crime and everything. I didn't know that. They were just sending me to that hotel. But um, yeah, I don't know. This will be like a, a an old school phoner. 
I'm looking at uh, there's a Google review uh, of North Beach Corpus Christi, and someone said very hot, as if like it's not their fault. <laughs> it's like a, it's a review of like the hotel. They're like very hot. Well, I mean, it was you're in Texas, <laughs> you know, in August. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry, the hotel can't help that, you know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the La Quinta that was the disaster, but um. Yeah, anyway. There we go. All right. The, well, you're you're back and it's it's a classic classic flagship here. Um There so. was a good restaurant down there right next to the hotel it was like a pirate themed restaurant. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. What's that? I'm I'm on the, I'm under uh, uh I'm fascinated by this North Beach area of Corpus Christi. I'm never going to go cuz it looks hideous, but uh pirate themed. <laughs> Let's see. I I could probably find this. I I was seeing something that looked like a uh, uh Pirate's Cove. Does that sound right? That sounds, I mean, how many pirate-themed restaurants could be in Corpus Christi? That yeah. must be it, right? Um, but I Oh, no, sorry, Blackbeard, Blackbeard's on the beach. That's it. Blackbeard's, Blackbeard's on, on the, the beach. beach, yeah. Oh, okay, this is looking pretty good. That that was it. They had a great shrimp dish with giant shrimp. Yeah, that was a good restaurant. I used to eat there all the time. Oh, this is, there's like um, a margarita with a big red in, in it. I'm into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this looks pretty good. All right, yeah, I'm not, I'm. I'm yeah, so so we we buried the La Quinta, but we put over black. <laughs> we put over black beards on the beach, yeah. So, which is so that's fair. We got one terrible review and one positive review. Um, are you used to the phone quality? Yeah, I'm cool. Now? I'm we, I'm perfectly fine with it. I'm okay with it. It, it was much better than whatever better, was going on before. So it's better than the buzzing. Yes. So you, you we're better off this way. Um, anyway, I think you're being a little cynical. I'll present the counter argument. I think they did grow their arts. They did 200,000 more viewers than they did last week. The 0.42 in the demo is the highest demo number they've done in 2020. It's the highest demo number they've done since the first couple weeks on the air when they, you know, opened up real huge and then slowly settled into whatever they were going to settle into. Um, does, are the, is it going to sustain? Are people going to keep coming back for Sting? Are people going to keep coming back because this Kenny Omega impact angle is hot? I don't know. None of us know. That'll be the true indicator of whether they have grown the audience to any degree. Um, you know, I have a feeling they have more big stuff up their sleeve, you know, so so we'll see what happens moving forward and we'll see how hot this angle is. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. Impact last week, this past Tuesday, did 166,000 viewers and a 0. .05 in the 18 to 49. Okay, that was good for 121st on Tuesday night. So that'll be our first indication of how hot this angle is. It won't be a super rock solid indication because it's still access TV mm -hmm. and there's a limit to how many people can watch. Yeah, that just a lot of people don't have it. And 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 one thing that's going to be very interesting as well, and I think something that to maybe you know if you're going to monitor this or anybody that out there wants to monitor it, uh, they are on Twitch and, and and other outlets as well. The Impact does air. Uh, live on a few other different platforms because so few people do have access. So uh, that might be interesting to, too to kind of look at you know the number of you know subscribers on Twitch or the you know the average viewers on Twitch on a normal day you know weekly basis or whatever and see how that compares too because I think just looking at the TV numbers like you said there's there is a cap to that there might be people that want to watch but then literally don't have access or don't you know don't have access to access so that might be a limiting factor where then they end up going to Twitch or whatever so so that's it's not going to necessarily only be people that you know wanted to watch it or, or people that are interested in it there is going to be a contingency of people that are interested but can't find access and and, and there's gonna be a lot of people i think uh this this week and this weekend that are going to be scrambling to figure out if they have access or not and a lot of people are not going to have it so 
but it'll be our first clue of of how hot this angle really is. Sure. I mean, you know, I look at the impact numbers occasionally, and I think I mentioned this last night on the instant reaction, but they're always in that about 150,000 range. And last week they were at 166. So if they come out and do like 210, that's not a world-changing number or anything, but on a percentage basis, that indicates that this thing's pretty hot. If they come out and they do a 150 again, then I don't know. Maybe this thing isn't so hot. Maybe, or or it could just mean that AEW fans aren't going to follow Kenny Omega somewhere else to hear him cut a promo. Mm-hmm. We don't know. So it'll be a soft indication of how hot the angle is. I don't think it's going to be firm evidence either way. Not until Wednesday. Wednesday, we'll know. If Wednesday AEW comes out, and I think if they do anything 0.38 or above, They've kept some viewers from the week before. They're not going to do a 0.42. They're not going to hold everyone. They're not going to do the same numbers they did this week. But if they settle back at a level above where they had settled before, that's the indication of growth. And really one week, I know everyone's going to be eager to to see next week's number, but one week really doesn't tell you much either. I want to know two months from now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. six months from now. But, um, it just comes across a little cynical to me to say, oh, man, I don't know. Maybe they just can't grow. I don't know. Well, this is the kickoff to two. This this felt like a show where they're trying to kick something off. So if this angle does turn out to be something hot, we could see growth moving forward. Um, depending how handle Sting, I, we don't have the quarters. Okay. I don't know if Sting's quarter did an enormous number and we all agree that the segment went well. Well, then, you know, maybe there'll be some interest in Sting as long as he's used properly. So there's a lot of variables and unknowns. I don't think the 913 and the 0.42 is like a blowaway number. But I do think it's a successful number. And I'll put it to you this way. I think they're high-fiving in the room. I think they see last night as a success, particularly the 18 to 34-year-old males. Unfortunately, we don't have any of the other breakdowns because sports... Uh, um, what's the name of Buzz the site? Daily, again? Show Buzz, Buzz Daily. Show Buzz Daily. Yeah, yeah. Sh- the, the charts. The charts not out, so I can only go off of what Wade Keller reported and whatnot. But that male eighteen to thirty four. I mean, to tie Raw. I mean, this is what we've been talking about for months now. Their competition is not NXT anymore. It's to see how close they can get to Raw, and they've been nipping at Raw's heels in a lot of the key demos. And you know, Raw's obviously still blowing them away over fifty and. It has a substantial lead in some of the other demos, which is why, you know, the gap is what it is. But to me, they're chasing Raw now. NXT is a non-factor. They beat NXT 0.42 to 0.16. And it's not like, and NXT was up a little this week. Last week with the weird week, they did a 0.14. But the week before, they did 632 and a 0.16, which is like exactly what they did this week. 658 and a 0.16. NXT is not a competition for them anymore. And last week was just that weird day before Thanksgiving. It meant nothing. The same thing happened last year. So, um, you know, and NXT did poorly last week, too. They finished out of the top 50 and did a point one, their lowest demo number ever. Well, they might have done a point one three once or twice. But um, so NXT is in the rear view. Now it's all about attempting to catch Raw first in some of these key demos 
and then you know long term maybe an over over overall viewership and the 18 to 49 demo overall but those are stretch goals right you can right, catch right. them you can catch them and they have caught them in some of these other demos so i don't know if it's fair to say oh man their growth is capped i, I don't it might be you know this this might be the most you can do because they're legitimately only drawing the super hard. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, think- I guess my question isn't necessarily that, like, is this, okay, now it's like doom and gloom, okay, the, the, we can't grow, we can't. I think what it, what it shows me, though, is 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 short-term growth, those wrestling fans that are right on the cusp but just waiting for something to hook them back, I don't think those guys are there anymore. I don't think they're the, 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 the mysterious fans that have stopped watching WWE over the last three or four years or the mysterious fans that used to be watching Impact that no longer watch or, or even the more mystical old WCW fans that went away and never came back. I, maybe those people are not going to be easy to hook overnight. Maybe you're not going to get those people back. I mean, those people are done with wrestling. They don't want to come back, and it wasn't just about WWE, and it wasn't just about an alternative. They're just they're done. Like they they just don't want to watch wrestling anymore. They don't care to watch wrestling anymore. They've moved on, and 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 that's fine. Like if that is that's the case, that's fine. And I think that this you know this first year, uh, this last year especially was was a, was a really good opportunity for AEW to try to see hey. Are those fan? Are there a bunch of fans that are right on the fence that really want to watch wrestling, but WWE is not doing it for them? What can we do to you know present something to them that they're now all of a sudden going to start watching us in, in in droves? And and they probably did. I mean, they probably did hook quite a few people, but it's not enough to be like, oh my god, look at all these fans that were just sitting here waiting for something. Those fans have not come back, really. I mean, I I think in large numbers those fans have not come back, and that's fine. Like all that tells me is that okay, we're on the right path, and what we need to do is just keep doing what we're doing and. Who knows? In a year, maybe we grew, we get new wrestling fans. Maybe we grow new wrestling fans. We do stuff like you know, including Mike Tyson, or we do stuff with Shaq, or we do stuff that you, you know that that sort of stuff. I think now is what I would sort of what I would do a little bit more, even than nostalgia acts, because we've seen a lot of that with AEW so far. Is is bring back old you know bring back Arn Anderson, bring back Tully Blanchard, bring back Sting, and again we'll see the Sting you know quarters and see you know that sort of stuff. Maybe maybe that's the wrong plan. Maybe the idea is not to hook old wrestling fans. Maybe the plan is you know okay, what can we do to create new wrestling fans now? Because I think we've maybe seen and again who knows next week there might be a shit ton of people that say hey Sting's on the show and I'm gonna watch the show now. That that this conversation might be a lot better to have you know next week after we see those numbers or we can get the quarters on Sting or whatever, but. To me, and, and I, I don't mean this as a doom and gloom. I just mean this as maybe now Dynamite can say, "Okay, look, we've 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 probably capped the amount of hardcore wrestling fans are going to start watching us, the old school or the last wrestling fans. What can we do now in the next in 2021? The goal is create new fans. What can we do to make more people interested in our product? And 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 they've they've planted some of those seeds already. The Shack thing, like I mentioned, I think Cody on whatever the fucking the Big Show or whatever the hell the random ass. Um, you, you know, it's game show or whatever. That stuff's good. Like that stuff is really, really cool, and and that will hopefully eventually make some people go, "Hey, what's you know? L- let me check out this AEW thing. Let me go check out this wrestling." Maybe they watched it sometime in the past, but they're not. They wouldn't consider themselves, you know, hardcore wrestling fans. That might be the goal in 2021. Is okay now? How do we grow a completely new subset uh, of wrestling fans? Because we maybe have tapped in as much as we can to that the, the hardcore wrestling fans that were just waiting for an alternative. I mean, I think you could try to do both. And I think that's what they're doing. Because, again, we don't know what kind of effect something like Sting is going to have. And this is why you go out and you do things with Shaq and Mike Tyson to get those lapsed fans or casual fans to at least put their eyes on it and then try to capture them. They loaded the show up last night with a lot of stuff because I think they knew a lot of new eyeballs were going to be on them or more eyeballs than usual. So now we just wait 
and 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 see if it worked. Um, you know, I I don't know. Is there a number they could have done realistically where you'd be a little more positive about whether they're capturing? I mean, last night you said you thought they could do a million. So they came up a little short of the million. But the demo number has to be in the range that you kind of thought they you figured they would do, right? I mean, my guess was 950 and a 0.4. And, I, you know, they did 913 and 0.42. But... I mean, I didn't expect that, you know, if if they did 1.3 million viewers and a 0.5, I mean, yeah, maybe the conversation be different right now. But I wasn't, to me, that wasn't realistic. So can you try to make new fans and try to recapture some of the old fans at the same time? I mean, because I don't think it has to be one strategy or the other. Oh, no, no, I agree. Yeah, I just think maybe, maybe more focus in, in, in one department over the other. Um, but and that's not to say that they haven't been doing that so far. I think they have been doing a pretty good job uh, of balancing both. I I think to me, I just I, I expected maybe a little bit more. The, the key demo numbers are great. Like if I'm them, I go, yeah, that's awesome. I'm definitely high fiving that. I'm sure TNT's happy with that. I'm sure everybody's happy with those numbers. But I, then I, you know, after I kind of celebrate that, I look at it and go, okay, well, man, I really would have. I would we would have loved to get to a million. We would have loved to have get, gotten back to what we were getting in those early days when we first came out of the air. And and there were fans clearly that you know because what was it out of the gates? It was like 1.4 million or something like that, right? If well, yeah, correctly. the first the first week, yeah, and then you know the next couple of weeks were right around what they're doing now. You know, 980, 950. You know, I think they might have done a million the first two weeks. And then after that, it was the nines, and then they, you know, the pandemic came, and this yeah, sure. it's settled. Right, right, right. Yeah. I'm just but, yeah, um, I'm like, like you're right. Like, no, it, it should definitely be celebrated. Like that demo number is great, and, and, and nipping at the heels of, of of raw in those key demo numbers, that's fantastic. That's really good stuff. And like you said, now to me, maybe that that's the hurdle they have to do. Okay, let's get to where raw is in the key demo, and then once we're past that, now let's okay. The next goal is let's let's grow this thing. More than we, you know, let's not worry about, you know, hardcore wrestling fans, lap wrestling fans, old WCW fans, old TNA fans, whatever, you know, lap, you know, old WWE fans. No, we, we're, we're on to bigger and better things now. Let, let, let's keep growing this thing, keep moving. And, and that's, you know, that, that, that's very possible. That, that could be what, I mean, I'm just saying for, for 2021, maybe that is the thing to kind of look at now that you have proven that you can get to that key demo figure. You can really blow that out of the water. Now look at maybe, okay, what can we do to just get, just way more eyeballs, more eyeballs than possible on this program. You know, is there anything we can do uh, to do that? And 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 that would be my next kind of goal. If, right, well, if, well, know. then let's then let's talk about the angle because it, you know one of the the things about doing an angle like this is you want to own the headlines. Mm-hmm. You want to you want your wrestling inks and your fightfuls and your wrestle zones and all these places. You want to be their top story every day. You want people's Twitter feeds to be filled up with what's going on between AEW and Impact, right? So if they can own the headlines and create buzz, that translates into interest, but maybe not as quickly. You know, you're not turning around seeing instant results from something like that. That's more of, all right, well, I got to check out what all this is about. So if they can sustain the buzz, because they have it right now, there's a reason we're leading off the show with it. There's a reason we did an instant reaction last night. There's a reason the entire you know, uh, wrestling world was waiting around for these ratings today. They have the buzz now. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whether you liked the match or the match finish, and we talked about it at length last night, if people want to go back and listen, $10 tier, okay? 
Whether that's all immaterial, they they without question have people talking. Would you agree with that? Can oh, no least- doubt. Yeah, no, they, they've owned the headlines. They they got people talking, and and I would say you know the the getting people talking thing is is you know a double edged sword. That was an old Vince Russo thing. Is like he would do something so stupid, and people would say, "Hey, look how stupid this is." And you are getting a little bit of that. You are definitely getting that. But like you said, now now is the key that in this moment where you have people both positively and negatively reacting to this angle, now is the key where you go, "Okay, cool." And now the follow up is so key. The follow-up is so important, and that was always one of the issues when, you know, it, it, again, it was the old Vince Russo thing is, oh, we're getting people talking, we got headlines, we got all that sort of stuff, but he never had a follow-up. He never had a next, okay, after we get the headlines, now what do we do? It was, oh, okay, we'll just get headlines. It's, no, no, okay, no, that's fine. You got to do that next thing, and that's that's the position AEW is in right now is, is both positively and negatively, people are reacting to this finish, which is fine. You're getting that talk. You're getting that buzz. You're getting that discussion. Now you got to follow it up big. You got to hook these people now. They have people's attention. I don't know if it's look. I didn't love the angle myself. I don't know if it's fair to compare it to a Russo angle, but I get what you're oh, saying. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's. I don't think it's like you know those Russo angles were just universally terrible. And to your point, there wasn't a ton of value in getting people talking when they're talking just negatively about it. There's no value in that. Um, I think this has people talking in the right ways in terms of people are interested in where it's going to go. And they have people's attention. Now they can lose people's attention quickly if it does if, if if the angle is bad. And you know, the first step is to watch Impact on Tuesday. And I really think that they're gonna pop a number for impact, whatever that means. Because I think people are interested in this. And then whatever they do on impact, it's not a matter of, you know, again, there's a cap on how many people are gonna watch that. But the video will be on YouTube and there'll be clips. So it's important that they knock it out of the park on Tuesday. Even if there's only 200,000 people watching, it's important that they knock that out of the park to build to Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Right? So what they've done here is they added an extra day to continue building momentum on whatever this thing is. It'll be two days a week of capturing the head. Because all, you know, Tuesday night and Wednesday morning, it's going to be what Kenny Omega did on Impact. And how convenient enough, there's a dynamite in a couple hours. You see, so it's not necessarily how people are watching Impact. It's what Impact is. It's what Impact Continue owning those headlines on Wednesday morning after leading in dynamite and whatever you're going to do there. So this is step one in... We do a pull, you hope it pops big. This is just, we're in step one. And if this do hit on big here, you know, we'll see. I don't know. We Both of us were very non-committal last night. We don't know where what's going to happen here. If this ends up being a big interpromotional thing, and I think it was Brandon Thurston who had a pretty decent idea, I think, in our Slack chat. You know, is this going to culminate in some... Big blood and guts match where Kenny Omega leads a, in, some impact guys against Adam Page and some dynamite guys. I mean, you know, that's one extreme. Or is it just going to be Kenny Omega's cutting a promo on impact tomorrow night and then we're just back as usual? That's the other extreme. We don't know. So we'll see. And then there's the whole sting factor. So it's going to take time to see if last night has some kind of lasting mm-hmm. impact. I, I, I did see. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was basically done. Uh, well, one thing I did see, and it was it, it, got, it actually got my interest. 
when 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 people are saying, "Hey, what about this scenario if if Kenny Omega goes there? If he goes to Impact Wrestling and does and and it's actually it's a great idea because it, it you know references back to a question that you asked me last night on our instant reaction of like you know what is AEW getting out of this? What benefits does AEW get from Kenny Omega going on to Impact? And somebody had this really cool idea. I forget who it was. Maybe it was a few people that were talking about it. Uh, but somebody said, you know, what what if Kenny Omega wins the Impact World Championship? What if he comes out, he's all talking shit, all this sort of stuff, and Rich Swan comes out and says, all right, buddy, you know, you want a shot at this title, you think you're a hot shot, well, you come, you come into my turf or whatever, you have to beat me for this title. Yeah, what, however you want to do it, whether it's a one-week thing, whether it builds up over the course of a few weeks or whatever, I, I don't know. I, I, I Again, I, I'm just kind of hypothetically you know, speaking, and Kenny Omega you know, beats him, and he takes the title. To me, that is a benefit to AEW. That, when, when you talk about something that AEW could benefit from and, and, and gain from, Giving Kenny Omega another title, even if it, yeah, yes, it's the Impact title. Maybe it doesn't have the prestige of some other titles, but it's still the world championship of a company that's been around for, you know, 15 years at this point. People know what that title is, and it's another title for this guy to have. So he can have the AAW title, the AAA title. He has the AEW title. He's got the Impact title. Like, that to me is a benefit. That that guy walking around, that cocky asshole walking around with his stupid sunglasses and his his dorky little suit, wearing three belts or two belts or whatever, that to me is a huge benefit. That that does something for me, and 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 that when when I heard that idea, I said, okay, that's something that I can sink my teeth into. That's something where if, if Don Callis says, hey, can we have Kenny Omega, and Tony Khan says, well, yeah, how about he wins your title, and Don Callis says, yeah, sure. That to me, I'm like, okay, cool, that's gonna work for me. That that will work. That that is something that we can use and utilize uh, and, and build from, and I think that would be a really cool story as well if they were to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is all curiosity because. I'm as curious as anyone to see. There's a lot of different things they can do that. Um, there's a lot of different things they can do. And, you know, the key the key is to just make this as interesting as possible and 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 see if this thing has some legs beyond just this week. Um, and I'm sure there is a plan. I mean, this isn't this wasn't hastily thrown together. The fact that Don Callis was out there to call previous Kenny Omega matches, was then planting the seeds for this all along. We talked about it last night. Oh, yeah. Well, remember the the, the photo, the innocuous photo in, in the background? Kenny Omega's on his yes. couch talking, and there's this photo of Don Callis in the background. People are wondering, what yep. the fuck? Is that Don Callis? Like, who the hell is that? And, and, yeah, that was just a throwaway nothing, you know, just a nothing, nothing, nothing that that that, that did not matter at the time, was kind of just bizarre, and, and now makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, and, you know, him calling Kenny other matches throw you off descent because he comes out again and you're like oh he calls all of kenny's matches there's nothing to this so you're not expecting an angle but you know they've obviously had this planned out for a very long time and this has been the plan all along so it's not hastily thrown together whatever they're doing is carefully plotted out and callus had said that we'll explain everything on tuesday and the announcers were putting it over as like this kind of a screw job deal i think the idea is going to be that kenny faked the injury and that was the plan all along. Fake the injury to give a plausible excuse for Callis to come to ringside and somehow get that microphone to him. And again, your mileage may vary on the angle, right? I don't love it. You don't love it. I hated it. I, didn't, I disliked it a little more than you disliked it. That's the sense I got last night talking to you. Yeah, I don't mind but, it. I, I don't mind it as a one-off. T- to me, like, and 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 to kind of restate a little bit. I mean, we, we went into it in intricate detail again last night yeah. on the Instant Reaction Live. But my, you know, and and especially sleeping on it, and twenty four hours later, I kind of like it even better than I liked it last night because when when you talk about all the stuff that went into the build of this match, and Kenny Omega is having a he he, he tells John Moxley, I don't want to have weapons, I don't want to do what we did last time, I just want a gentleman's agreement that we just have a good wrestling match. 
And John Moxley goes, okay, sure, fine. <laughs> like I don't really want to do that, but that's fine. I'll do it. And then Kenny turns his back on 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 that promise and and screws this guy over, hits him with the microphone, does all that sort of stuff. And again, full disclosure: if this happens five more times over the, you know, if Don Callis is in every single Kenny Omega match, and now Kenny Omega can't beat anybody, and he has to face, you know, he's got to use a microphone to beat Alex Reynolds, then like, yeah, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. I'm gonna say that that fucking sucks and it's garbage. If he does it just against John Moxley. And he goes out there and he kicks everyone else's ass, then that is good heat to me. That is what I love. That is, this guy was not confident enough that he could beat that guy. What that does is it puts John Moxley over. It makes John Moxley seem like that much of a big deal that, yeah, I lost the title, but I lost the title because that asshole cheated. And that asshole can beat everybody else on the roster, but he cannot beat me because he knows he can't beat me. And he had to resort to cheating to beat me. And if that's the story, I'm in on that story. If the story is Don Callis helps this guy cheat every single week, I'm out and I'm going to tell you it sucks. I'm going to be, I'm going to think it's garbage. But in this one moment, I think it's really good heat. It's all about the follow-up though. It is all about how often does this, if he goes right back to just being Kenny Omega, the guy just beats the fuck out of people, I'm in. Because that would be the more frustrating. That's like we talked about when we talk about, you know, the, the, the New Japan and the evil stuff is the Prince Devitt thing. Is like, you know, when Prince Devitt turned to New Japan, it's like, dude, what are you doing? You don't need this. Like, why are you cheating? You don't have to cheat. You're really good. Like, you're already a very well-accomplished wrestler. Like, why are you cheating to win? And that was the heat. It was, it was just like, yeah, he was like, ah, I just want it to be easier. And it's like, no, dude. <laughs> like, no, you, you're fucking great. Just be great. And, and, and that was the frustrating part uh, about that. And that's what I want. I still want Kenny Omega to be great, but I want him to have this, this cloud hanging over him that he had to cheat to beat Jon Moxley. That's a story I like. I don't want this guy having to cheat to win every single match. You know, and, yeah. and we're seeing that in other companies with, with, with big-time stars. WWE, of course, does it with everybody, and New Japan doing it now, of course, with, with Evil, who can't beat anybody without, you know, Dick Togo's help. Well, that's the thing. Like, when when Evil first turned and they and Dick Togo was revealed and the first Garot Wire spot, it was surreal and it had buzz and it had people talking and it was like, maybe we didn't love that Evil was getting the title, but... um the angle itself, I, I think, I don't think people were super negative on it was when they did it 19 times the rest of the summer that everybody got tired of it. And that's kind of what you're saying here. It's like, at least on this show, we didn't completely turn on these evil matches until we saw that they were the pattern that they were doing it every time out. And it was redundant and it sucked and it wasn't what new Japan is. And that's, and this isn't what AEW has been, but like you're saying, if this is a one-off, just to kick off a big angle. I still don't think my problem is the use of the foreign object. I think you could have accomplished the same thing with a nut shot mm-hmm. or, a, or a low blow or, a, you know, a roll up or, you know, whatever. Uh, the foreign, the idea of the foreign object really bothers me. And that's just a me problem because if it ends up being a big angle and, 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 and it's not a, a repeated pattern, then that's just me being a baby. And I just have to live with it, um, you know. And it's just not doesn't match my personal taste of what I want them to be. But it's still pro wrestling, you know. And it's still American pro wrestling, and they're going to do stuff like this from time to time. As long as it's from time to time, that's fine. Yeah. And they've been very clean about their biggest matches up to this point. Clean winners and losers, which is a big part of the appeal of AEW to me. So it'll lose a little something if this becomes the essence of Kenny Omega's character and what their main events are built around now. So I agree with you. Um, As long as it doesn't become a pattern, but it could. I could very easily see this being what they are now with with Kenny on top. But, But I like your idea better. 
where he just didn't feel like he could beat Moxley. And like you said, that's the cloud that hangs over his head. You know, and and the truth that he knows and that the fans know Mm -hmm. that he can't beat this guy one on one straight up. You know, and he had to lie to him and make a gentleman's agreement and then cheat anyway, because that's the that's the heat here. Or this what's supposed to be the heat. That they had this gentleman's agreement and he went back on it. You know, and and bloodied Moxley up and and stole his title. Um, You know, maybe it isn't just isn't for me, but if it works, it works. So, uh, you know, I guess we'll see in the quarter hours, which I'm still checking to see if we're going to get them before we go off the air, are going to be super interesting to me, um, you know, to see, you know, what kind of interest Sting had and what kind of interest the main event had. And I want to see how many of these segments touched a million viewers. I'm very curious about that. Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of unknown right now. but I think they have mostly positive buzz and they have mostly positive. They have curious interest. I think people are curious Mm -hmm. and that's a good thing. You know, maybe there's some skepticism in a lot of the people who are curious about this, but they are curious. And I think they're going to, they're that people are interested to see where it goes. So from that standpoint, um, you know, strong ratings numbers, Strong demo, strong viewership, and there seems to be a sense of buzz. So I have to call last night a success. Um, yeah, I, I've I've certainly uh, I, I could say from you know my work around you know the old water cooler, it was it was it was an interesting day. It was definitely the f- the first time I had a lot of. There's a lot of like you know semi wrestling fans or kind of casual wrestling fans that I work with, and this was. Sting was a big was a big talking point, and most of it positive. Most of it was, oh, that's really cool that Sting's back. And and you know what's an interesting part about that as well. We didn't really touch on it in our instant reaction. Is that a lot of people uh, bring up that hey, you know, Sting was in TNA for you know a decade, and and you know he barely registered or he barely did anything. And and a, I, I don't think that's all the way true. Like if you look at the ratings patterns, you look at the numbers. Like Sting was a mover in Impact Wrestling. He was a big deal when he came to the Impact and 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 when he was there, he was an important part of that company. And the, the other big part too and 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 we we touched on this briefly, you know, I kind of asked the question of, okay, what what are we going to do with Sting? Like what are they going to do with him? And you know, Dave kind of alluded to it, Dave Meltzer alluded to it a little bit on, you know, the Wrestling Observer Radio uh this morning and I think Tony Khan's kind of said the same thing as well is that he's a I mean, he's a he's a multi-year, you know, contract rostered member, but he's not going to be a bell to bell guy. It's and 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 that's I think the big thing that that kind of comes up is when people bring up TNA. Yes, there there he was in TNA and no, he didn't like completely change the game for TNA in the in the decade or whatever the, he was there or you know on and off for a decade or, or whatever. But I think one you have the idea that it was TNA and it was Impact and there was always a stink to it. And I know Impact fans get really upset about that. But they did that to themselves. Like pretty, I mean a lot of people wanted it TNA to be great. And and at one point or another they did something that made people go, ah, these fuckers, they're, they're no different. They're not, I mean, and, and from the, pretty much the moment it started, they, they started digging themselves a hole that they've been trying for, for, you know, decades now to kind of climb out of and climb out of. And there'd be brief little periods where they climb out of it and then they go right back into it or whatever. A lot of their own doing as well. But there was always a stink to TNA. There was always a stink to that brand and that logo and that, you know, those, those three letters, so much so that they got, you know, got rid of TNA and got impact. But, but everybody still knows that there's that certain sort of, 
there's just something about TNA and Impact that it doesn't have the same impact, you know, for lack of a better term. But uh, the other thing too is that Sting was a regular everyday wrestler, and and in some cases pushed and 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 beat people, and a, you know, an important part of the actual in ring of the company. And I think that is where you can you could probably steer yourself wrong when you bring in a Sting or you bring in an Arn Anderson, you bring in a Tully Blanchard, you bring in these sort of people. Just having them a part of your TV, I think, is fine. I think that is that's the key because what you want is those people at my work that say, "Hey, oh, Sting's." In AEW, that's kind of cool. And then they watch, and then maybe this is the first time they've ever seen Darby Allen, and they go, hey, this Darby Allen guy is kind of cool. And then that can kind of grow from there. The problem with a lot of companies is they would bring in old guys, the old guys would beat young guys, and it was just like, oh, Sting's there, cool. And then when those people got bored, they just kind of moved on and they stopped watching because they were bored of Sting or they were bored of Hogan or bored of you know Nash because they had seen those guys a bunch of times. The key now is that you're, you're, if you get those eyeballs for Sting, you get those eyeballs with the old guys, is that they're not in the ring beating young guys. They're not in the ring, you know, that they are attached to young guys are getting young guys over and that AEW has done a tremendous job of so far and i think that will be the true benefit that 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 impact was not able to do with sting that AEW can do with sting is that you know by virtue of sting being there more people might be aware of darby ellen more people might be aware of cody more people might be aware of whatever and once those people do tune in if they tune in again we'll get those quarters and we'll know if those people tune in now converting them into actual fans like and converting them into fans of your current roster as opposed to just saying, hey, here's Sting, you remember Sting. And that is the fault that TNA and Impact always did, is just said, here's Kevin Nash, he's a star. And that was it. And that, that's where the Kevin Nash thing ended. He's not going to wrestle. I don't know why people are worried about this. He's he, At most, he's going to do gimmick matches. I mean, we talked about it last night. He's not going to be, t- you know, he's not going to be trading top wrist locks with Scorpio Sky. He's not going to wrestle. Okay? He's 61 years old. Soon to be 62. I don't think he wants to either. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I don't know if he really even wants to. He's not going to wrestle. I see people flipping out about that. He's not going to wrestle. You know, he'll do six-man tags and swing a bat in some no-DQ matches or something. He's not going to be a a, a wrestler, not even a part-time wrestler. He's not going to wrestle. He'll do gimmick stuff. Um, So that's not even a concern. I mean, they put him on the roster page with, you know, the zero and zero win-loss record, and I saw people flipping out over it. Means nothing. He's not. He's. I'm telling you right now. I would be stunned if he's like out there, you know, having matches on a a semi regular and even a semi regular basis. That's not going to be his role. Um, they brought him in because he's a big star, and they brought him in because Cody's a fan, and they brought him in because they think he could sell some T-shirts, and they brought him in because they think he could pop some quarter hours, and they brought him in because they think Darby can get a little bit of rub. Uh, off of him and then whoever else they match him up with down the line. That's why he's there. Okay, he's not there to to have matches and have terrible matches and yeah, he's not there the to win. TNA he's theory. not there to win the AEW you know World Championship. He's not there to. I, I don't even think win no. the TNT Championship. Like you know, they're not going to do that. So I, I have zero concerns of that. I we talked last night. I couldn't believe that people were even considering that. He's not going to wrestle. I'm not worried about that at all. Um. You no, know, and then we'll see what value he brings to the table. I mean, based on the number, it looks like, you know, his first appearance was a win. You know, we don't have the quarters, but I would assume it did well since they did well overall. Um, But look, you know, as long as this stays semi-hot and, you know, even if it tanks, AEW is going to be the big talk in wrestling for the next couple of weeks. I mean, that's all there is to it. I mean, shows like this are going to lead off with AEW. Um, you know, and it, it's it, and like we talked about before, they're going to own the headlines. They're the big talk right now until 
at least until, you know, the week of Wrestle Kingdom when New Japan will steal some of those headlines. But WWE has nothing on the horizon that's going to matter until the Royal Rumble. So this is like almost a perfect time for them to take a big step and do some big things. Because they're really going to own the consciousness of wrestling fans until the Royal Rumble. So when's the Rumble? You know, end of January? Yeah, usually? yeah, yeah. Mid to, yeah, the last few weeks of January. The off week before the Super Bowl, right? That's usually when it is. Usually, or, yeah, or, yeah. So you're talking the last week of January. So they've got, you know, all of December and almost all of January. AEW does to just completely own the headlines and the buzz and wrestling. You know, with that little blip that'll come from Wrestle Kingdom. But the thing about it is, you know, we've talked about this. Wrestle Kingdom is, uh, New Japan is not nearly as popular in the West as it was. Um, Wrestle Kingdom's still going to get buzz and all that, but the combination of the clap crowds and COVID and the fact that New Japan has slipped in popularity in the West, and a lot of that was a lot of, you know, let's, let's, Call it like it is. AEW has taken a lot of their market share among, you know, a lot of hardcore AEW fans were hardcore New Japan fans that are now hardcore AEW fans. You know, that's, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. So I don't think Wrestle Kingdom even is the headline grabber that it was as little as a year ago or two years ago. I think that particularly without is, yeah, well, and, and particularly without a Chris Jericho, without a Kenny Omega, well, without those without sort the of guys that are without the guys that are in AEW. That's part of the reason they've stolen their market share. Yeah. AEW came in and they brought in all of the people that the Western fans liked in New Japan, and then they took their market share. They bumped them right out of that number two spot in the market and took it over because they have Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho and the Young Bucks and all of these wrestlers that. You know, a lot of the Western fans were in part fans of New Japan because of. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not breaking any news here. I think everyone who listens to this show understands that AEW has taken New Japan market share. In the, and then New Japan lost their TV on top of everything else, which doesn't help. So, um, you know, the point here is they're going to own. They've got the next two months to make this thing work. And they have everybody's basically full attention. For the next two months, with the exception of January 4th and 5th. Nobody's paying attention to uh, to Super Juniors. And this World Tag League Tour, it has zero buzz. None. And a lot of that is the, the COVID and the clap crowds. A lot of that is the, you know, you don't have the stars that have, have been in it because of both travel and because of guys have moved up to heavyweight. But this this is the, you know, it's not the usual time of year for Best of the Super Juniors. This is like the the most low key under the radar best of the super juniors going back probably to 2012. So, you know, it, it's no one's paying attention to New Japan and they won't until the fourth. So they're they're going to own these next two months. They have to take advantage of it because once Royal Rumble happens, then you're in the mania season, and now you know you're fighting for attention again. So this was actually pretty good timing to start kicking things into gear and doing an angle with Shaq and, you know, uh, all the stuff they did last night. All right, so that is uh, AEW Winters coming again. Uh, you are doing the Thursday tier reviews tomorrow uh, when you hopefully get the quarters or when, when you have the quarters uh, ready to go. So people looking for the 
uh, review of AEW Winter is coming. That is on our ten dollar tier, uh, the ten dollar patreon.com slash voices of wrestling tier. Uh, on the five dollar tier, the 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 Thursday TV reviews, uh, you're gonna go over the quarters, you're gonna talk about MLW, but you're not gonna do a blow by blow review of of Winter is coming. Again, that is uh, on our Instant Reaction Live. Uh, from last night. So just want to let uh, people know about that. Just kind of do a little clarity and, and you'll have the quarters no matter what. It's just a matter of exactly when and, and from who I guess. Right. So, cause, cause Dave Meltzer will have him in the observer uh, tonight, but uh, you'll be able to break them down with some, some good detail and, and, and really give people, you know, if, if for people that have not listened to like when, when, when you break down the quarters, it's, it's, it's tremendous audio. Cause you do a great job of, of, of talking about, you know, what was on what segment, what did what, like sometimes Dave will just kind of post them or sometimes other people will just kind of post them and, and, and they're kind of, they're worthless numbers without the analysis that comes with it. So that, that's where I think it, it'll be a really, really cool listen uh, tomorrow once you get those quarters. And, and yeah, we're all kind of, we're all kind of wondering what that sting quarter does and what that, what that main event does. Cause that'll be huge, huge tell uh, for, for really, you know, ratings moving forward. Yeah, we'll see if we get the quarters. Who knows with with it's with the you know everything being weird this week, but there will be a Thursday TV reviews. Obviously, it didn't happen on Thursday because I was waiting around for the ratings and seeing if I get the quarters. Didn't get them. So if I do the show tomorrow, I, I'll still be doing a Thursday TV reviews because I still have the MLW Fusion to go over. Um, uh, more ratings talk. Hopefully, the quarters so I can uh, you know dive into that so it's not all repeated content. And then I will review Dynamite again, and I'll just do it in a different way than you and I did it. So, um, yeah, there's still going to be a show. I mean, people have asked, and I know I answered last week. Yeah, I'm still going to do a reviews uh, this week at some point. Or maybe not with this Mike situation. (laughs) Well, maybe uh, there's Best Buy's open by you. We can can get you solved, I think, by by tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to figure it out. We'll get it for sure. So yeah, if, if you're wondering why Joe sounds the way he does, he's on his laptop microphone. So, but it's fine. It's a it's a throwback to the uh, the 2014 days. Every, everybody always says, "Oh, I wasn't around for those days." What were those days like? Well, this is what they're like. So <laughs> with a lot more, uh, with also with bated breath of of will the show record or not? Uh, those days, unfortunately, thankfully, are 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 gone. Um, but uh, the the my quality is, is back to what it was. But yeah, we'll we'll get that all solved up by next week. But it's fine. You know, I've I've gotten used to it. I'm sure the listeners have uh, as well. Okay, Joe, I have a question for you. Are you ready to answer it? I'm ready. What season is it? Well, I think it's still winning season. I was trying to see if it's actually winter. Has the winter solstice happened yet? That is uh, not until December 21st. So it's not winter. You're right. It is winning season. And between the NFL, college football, and your beloved college basketball, there is no shortage of games to watch. And with thousands of lines available on all of your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with mybookie.ag. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked about mybookie, Joe, but I know you're using the, the, the college basketball. Are, are you? So I, I know you're an avid watcher of college basketball. Are you an avid gambler of college basketball as well? Uh, believe it or not, not so much. Not great for the ad read. Not great. But, uh, no. <laughs> not, not ideal, but no, no go on. Cause it's, I don't gamble but you do good. You do good. Basketball. You do good. You do a lot of college football gambling, but. Yeah, and I don't even like college football as much as college basketball. I actually don't like college football at all. But um, you know, college basketball, it's it's too hard, too many variables. Uh the players stink. So it's harder to uh to project. I kind of stay away from it. I I've I don't even I don't even do a March Madness pool. I haven't filled out a March Madness bracket in probably a decade. That probably stuns you. Not really. That seems like something you would do because you're kind of counterculture guy. I, I I get it. I I understand because everybody I'm a counterculture guy <laughs> with, with your sports you tend to be a little bit you know counterculture. 
right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I, I guess so. I mean, uh, in some ways, but... Uh, but the bracket thing's... I let's be honest. The bracket thing's annoying as fuck. It's I don't like worst. filling out a bracket. I, it's stupid. I, I, like, it, it's a bunch of people that have never watched any college basketball throughout the year talking about college basketball. Like, they know, oh, Rhode Island. or like, You don't know anything about Rhode Island. Shut the fuck up. And then the best is tell you about, about his bracket guy. Like, you give two fucking shits about random dude telling you about his bracket. I don't care, dude. Have you ever yeah. once in your life cared what somebody else's bracket looks like? No, it's like it's like it, it's the same as when people try to show you their, you know, kids pictures or pictures of their dog or the bad beat they had at the poker table. Nobody cares. No one cares about your bad beat story. And no, you know, the other one I hate when people try to tell you about the dream they had last night. <laughs> is, there, is there anything worse than that? Like, oh, man, I got to tell you about this dream. And you're just like, no, just just hang me from a beam in the garage rather than listen to this story. No, thanks. I can't do it. I mean, no one cares. So, yeah, same thing. No one cares. Your fantasy football team. I don't care if you lost by half a point because uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a big game on Monday night. No one cares except for you. Stop telling me about your fantasy football team. Stop reciting your dream to me. Stop showing me pictures of your snot-nosed kids. Don't tell me about your uh, poker bad beats. And yes, I don't care about your NCAA bracket. Well, what you should care about is game spreads, championship futures, player prop bets. It is never too late uh, to get in on the action at mybookie.ag and start turning your sports knowledge into actual cash in your wallet. Uh, You sign up today at mybookie.ag. And when you do, you want to use that promo code VOW. And that's going to claim you a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. So if you put $1,000 in, they'll put $1,000 in. You put $5 in, they'll put $5 in. You put $20 in, you guessed it, they're going to give you $20. So it's free money if you use that promo code VOW at mybookie.ag. Uh, it's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. Once again, that's promo code VOW to claim your bonus when you make your first deposit. You got UFC cards. Death pools, college football, NFL, college basketball, the NBA coming up in just a few weeks here, believe it or not. Shockingly, already uh, the NBA coming back. So there's plenty of sports at mybookie.ag uh, to bet up, uh, bet on. You can sign up today uh, to begin your winning season exclusively at mybookie. Again, mybookie.ag. I, I just remembered I got to do some champ- uh, got some futures bets on those uh, NBA season coming up. Put a little note to do that. I'll never forget the one year, Joe. I think I've, I, I think I've told, I forget if I told the story in the air, but I'll never forget you were in Vegas for something and yeah. it was 2013 and you were, you were saying, Hey, uh, you, you know, I'm in, I'm in Vegas. I'm at a book, you know, can I, can I ask you some questions about, you know, what, what you, what you think NBA, uh, you know, title chances are. And I'm like, yeah, shoot. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I can, I can help out or whatever. And I remember you saying, you know, this is maybe 2012. I want to say it was. I think it was 2012, actually, because you said, "Well, what about you know, the Spurs are like 20 to one," and I'm like, "Yeah, the Spurs though, like they're they're not, you know, they're nothing, man. They they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year, but they got destroyed. They're getting old. Tim Duncan's almost 40. Like, yeah, what are you doing?" And you're like, "I really want to do it, <laughs> Rich. I really think a 20 to one's like a great odds on on the Spurs. It's the Spurs. It's Greg Popovich. It's Tim Duncan." And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't. I'm just not feeling it." They got all the way to Game 7 of the, the NBA Finals. They did not win that year. They won the next year. But I, I never will forget 
you saying, yeah, hey, Rich, nice shot telling me not to take that 20 to 1 odds on the on the Spurs because you were going to put like a decent amount of money on them and, and, and the odds would have just been incredible. Maybe they're even more than 20 to 1. They might have 50 to 1 or something like that at that point. I remember just like I wanted the Spurs to win, but then I also did not want the Spurs to win just because I knew you would just be like, hey, nice job, nice job, asshole. Like we could, uh, I would have saved, I would have shared some of that money with you, you motherfucker, but now you get nothing. So, um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I always feel bad about that year. Well, that's because, you know, gambling isn't about picking winners as much as it's about value. Mm -hmm. And that's what people miss out on. Um, That's a big thing that people miss. It's about value, not necessarily, um, you know, anyone can go to the track and bet all the favorites, you know, and you're not going to come, you know, you come home, you know, maybe you'll have a few more dollars in your pocket than what you showed up with, but the ability to pick long shots and, you know, horses with long odds, that's where you make your money. Same thing with sports betting, betting in general. It's always about value. So that's the moral of the story you're telling here. Yeah, Spurs I, were a good value. They were a great value. Yeah, last year I was I was I was dabbling in a little bit of it was prior to the year. I little did I know about you know the whole pandemic or whatever. Uh, but I saw like really good value on the Denver Nuggets for like you know winning the title or going to the finals or something like that. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, why not just put like twenty bucks on this or fifty bucks on this? Because like the, it was insane. It was like one hundred and seventy to one or there's some ridiculous value for the Nuggets to make the finals. And, and and that makes sense. They're in the Western Conference. You got the Spurs. You got or the, you know you got the the Clippers and the Lakers and a few other you know real good teams in the west and that motherfuckers made it all the way to the western conference finals obviously the you know the 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 pandemic you know changed a lot of stuff but man they got real close and that's where it's just like dude yeah you got to look you know it's it's really easy to go plop down 50 bucks on the lakers and you're gonna win you know 51 dollars or whatever but that's no fun that's 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 not cool so yeah i gotta i gotta look at those uh because i've always been meaning to jump into it and this is a perfect time to do it with that my bookie uh promo code uh, VOW try to get in on those futures bets and, and and make some money this year or or lose some money for most likely but at least have some fun you know rooting on the Utah Jazz as they you know climb to the NBA Finals so all right let's uh, we're gonna move into a little bit more WWE uh, focused topics here uh, we're gonna start out with the uh, unfortunate news that came out yesterday uh, the death of Pat Patterson uh, a major name both you know obviously in in, in actual in ring pro wrestling. Uh, and then a guy who had a, just a, 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 a Hall of Fame career uh, behind the scenes as well uh, as both a booker, kind of the right hand man to Vince McMahon, um, just a, a, a you know a trainer, a consultant, a whatever. I mean, he just did it all uh, in the wrestling business, and just one of the really one of the all time great pro wrestling minds. And I mean, it just cannot be it, it just cannot be understated how important he is to pretty much everybody listening to this show. I'm sure in some way, shape or form was influenced by Pat Patterson and, and, and his ideas and, and his, his way of, 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 of structuring wrestling, his, his mind for wrestling, his whatever. Like the, I, I, I truly believe that, that everybody listening to this pretty much, I mean, there's going to come a generation in a few years where obviously they are not going to be influenced anyway, you know, by, by a Pat Patterson, but like really pretty much anybody 20 years or older, uh, I think in some way, shape or form is influenced by Pat Patterson and, and, and whether they, whether they even know it or not. Yeah. I mean, think about all your favorite worlds or your favorite Royal Rumble spots, and he laid them all out. I mean, they would bring him back even when he was a part-timer or not really with the company just to lay out the Royal Rumble every year. Yeah, until 2018, um, I believe, was the last one he did. I, I don't know if he did 19 and 20, but I know for a fact uh, they brought him in in 2018 to kind of look at it and, and, and come up with the ideas uh, for that Rumble. And, yeah, he, you know, he, at that point, he's, he's still very, he's, you know, not really with the company. He's just kind of in a consulting role. But, man, every January it was, fuck, how do we get to this? Well, call Pat. <laughs> Pat will sit down and he'll figure it out. Yeah, I don't think he invented the timed battle royal, the timed entry battle royal, but he did bring it to WWE, correct? That's the deal there. Like he 
it was his he pitched the idea of doing this style of match in WWE, I believe. And then he was just a master of laying them out. Mm-hmm. I don't think that those house show Royal Rumbles in 87 and then the one on USA Network in 88 were the first of their kind. I do think other places did them. I could be wrong about that, but he definitely brought the idea to Vince McMahon. And then he was just known as just an incredible mind in terms of putting them together. And, you know, a lot of those Royal Rumbles were just tremendously laid out. And, you know, some of the spots are some of the most memorable spots in WWE history. And the matches, too. You know, you you instantly think about, you know, whether it's 92. 92 was Flair, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah, 92. Or, uh, you know, Ray going the distance or whatever the case may be. Pick your favorite Rumble, you know. But he was a Finnish guy and an idea guy and really Vince's right-hand man throughout, you know, the peak Hulkamania era. And, you know, uh, famously helped lay out Hogan Warrior, right, to make that something watchable. Yeah. Um, He had a big hand in that match, which could have been a disaster if left to their own devices. Uh, And I'm talking move for move. Like, this is what you got. You know, they say wrestling is not scripted. In this case, it was, you know, just to ensure that that match wasn't a complete disaster, you know, so and and there's numerous other examples and, and a lot of his booking ideas and match layouts are the stuff that's just ended up being legendary and during moments of wrestling history. And as a wrestler, he was considered, you know, uh, one of the best work rate guys of his era in the 60s and 70s. And I know that there, you know, he came to the WWF later in his career, the early 80s. And of course, he had, you know, the great match with Slaughter is instantly comes to mind. And but he was older then. And I know that WWE Network is putting together a playlist of his stuff. The problem is it's going to be all WWF stuff. From yeah, when he was yeah. aging, which I mean, there's still great stuff. I mean, that what year was that? Boot camp match. 81. Uh, 81. I actually watched that earlier today. I hadn't seen it in years. I, I watched it uh, today. And and it's like, it's it's a 1981 wrestling match. So, I mean, obviously go in with the expectations that, you know, yes, this one wrestler, you know, Wrestling Observer uh, match of the year. And it is 1981. But, yeah, it's still it's still pretty damn good as far as, like, brawls go. You know, it's not exciting. There's not a bunch of fucking kickouts and a bunch of back and forths and all that sort of stuff. But it's a damn fun match. And, and, and yeah, it's it's brutal as hell, too. So, no, it, it's, yeah, go in with the expectations and, and, and realize that this is, you know, wrestling from 40 years ago uh, in 81. But still, really, really good stuff that, that uh, yeah, you can find that one on YouTube. But I know that WWE Network uh, is putting together a lot of stuff. But like you said, it's going to be like, you know, that, that Ted DiBiase uh, match. I, I watched that one as well. Uh, the North American Championship match. Uh, again, I think it was 79, I want to say that match, maybe 78, 79, I, I forget which year exactly. So that's one of the issues is that, yeah, you're not getting, you know, late 60s, early 70s, you know, San Francisco, uh, Pat Patterson. You're getting a lot of, you know, maybe Continental Wrestling, you know, AWA and, and, and WWF Pat Patterson, which at that point he's already kind of winding down a little bit. But you can still definitely see it, though, in, in, even in those matches that this is a guy who's just a, a tremendous worker. Yeah, I know I saw the hype video that they put out like a six minutes of clips of what the playlist is going to be. I can't find the playlist itself though on the network, but um, you know, the boot camp match is on there for sure. I know for sure. You just said you watched it. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 well, it's available via uh, other means, but it, it's on YouTube, but it's not WB that, that uploaded it. So it's on the network though, for sure. I'm it is right no, a hundred percent. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what else 
I thought they would have this playlist up, but they don't. So we can't go over the matches. But um, again, it's going to be late career stuff. But, you know, obviously he was still having he still had a match of the year in 1981. So as late as 1981, he had what, you know, the Smarks voted as the best match in the world. So um, even at that point in his career, he was still a great worker, even though he was aging. And then, um, you know, he became part of the office, obviously, and 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 really pretty much almost until the day he died. He still, you know, was in Vince's ear to some extent. I know his health got real bad towards the very end. And there were years where he was part time and he had to disappear during the scandals for a while, um, you know, and all of that, which in later years, you know, he always denied that stuff, the casting couch stuff. And um some of it's been debunked for sure. And and the, the validity of Tom Cole, we don't want to get into all that. There's no time to get into all that. But, um, but for the most part, outside of that little blip, and then towards the end when he got real sick, a constant presence and a constant influence on Vince McMahon. And, you know, um, pushing for a lot of things that Vince didn't want to do, like like Bret Hart, like pushing Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, and the smaller guys. Yeah, yeah, because Vince um, was all in on Luger and Diesel and all that guys, and Pat's saying, no, that, that, that's old business. Let's go with Bret Hart. Let's go with Shawn Michaels. Let's go with, you know, Mr. Perfect. Let's go with the, the smaller guys that can work. And, and that's, yeah, that was a, a, a big, big thing. I mean, I, all the way up until WrestleMania, where, where, you know, he's the special referee for the, the Iron Man match. I mean, yeah, that, those were his babies, is, is, is those guys. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, he's someone who, you know, Vince trusted, and so a lot of his ideas would get through. And luckily, a lot of his ideas were good, because as we're seeing now with Bruce Pritchard, a lot of his ideas are getting through, and nearly every single one of them is terrible. And, you know, it, it it's it's so important who earns Vince McMahon's trust, and who he listens to. Because that has such a great effect on what the on-screen product is going to be. Mm-hmm. And Patterson didn't have all, I mean, a lot of his philosophies I didn't agree with. I mean, he was very interference heavy and, um, you know, very heavy on, uh, you know, heel shenanigans and, 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 and very strong leaning character work and those sorts of things. And it worked for that era though. Like the cartoon era of the mid to late 80s and early 90s WWE, I mean, it was perfect for that era. A lot of those ideas now I think are antiquated, but I don't think they were terrible for their time. You know, like the double Hebner angle on the main event. If they did that today, we'd tear it to shreds on this show. But that was a great legendary angle that did, that did and led to tremendous business. You know, so you can't really knock it. You know, it worked for its time. And he's a guy who always had good ideas for their time, like we just talked about. When he felt it was time to turn things over to the workers, he talked Vince into it. Instead of continuing to try to rehash, like you mentioned, Diesel and whoever else was around that era, Lex Luger, maybe, um, you know, whoever, you know, um, Adam Bomb, whoever you want to name from that era who, you know, Vince is trying to find the next, you know, monster. You know, Patterson convinced him, no, maybe we should try it this way now. So he was kind of always trying to stay ahead of the curve as well. So uh, you can't understate, you can't overstate rather his importance 
to the history of WWF and the way that things have been done in that company since probably 1980. When was George Scott? Like 85 was George Scott gone I or 84? Think, yeah, 84, and 85. I forget the exact year. but Somewhere. We don't need to be. Pre- yeah, so anywhere from like 87 on, that I'll go with a safe date. Let's say 87 on. You know, right through, yeah, and right, like you said, he laid, what rumble did he lay out? 2018? Yeah, 2018, they brought him in. I know for a fact that that he was brought in for that one. I think it was like a last minute thing, too. I think like they were arguing over some finish. I forget the exact context of it, but I remember reading this not too long ago that there was, okay, how do we, well, how do we do that? You know, and then they they said, I fuck it, just call Pat. (laughs) And they called Pat, and he came in and goes, ah, you know, probably like he's, he's, you know, buying some drinks, get him some vodka, and he's screaming about it. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, an hour later, two hours later, they got it figured out. It's like, oh, fuck, yeah, he could figure it out. You know, he's kind of the, there's a debate in the room. Well, Pat will figure it out. He booked fucking 25 of these Royal Rumbles. He could book another one for sure. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, and, and, and one thing that I always, you know, always thought and really admired about Pat Patterson is, is, is like you said, there weren't always great ideas, but one thing that he always seemed to do and, and, and anytime you hear from people and anytime you hear, you know, discussions about him or people talking about his booking or any of that sort of stuff. And we talked about this with, you know, Will Ospreay and, and, and Rev Pro. And, and the stuff that we like about pro wrestling, I love the idea that Pat Patterson sat down with Vince McMahon poolside <laughs> most, most, time, most of the time, which is awesome, too, and, and, and just said, all right, look, let's lay out the year. We're, we're here. How do we get here? And, they would, and that's, that was a big part of what Pat would do is he would be able to tell Vince, okay, no, here's our point, and here's where we're going to get to. Here's what we're going to do in between. We're going to run, you know. 12 shows from this town and during this amount of time. So what are the mat? Like he got everything together. He, he, I mean, and that was what he wanted to do. That's how he came up. And, and, and I think that's an important factor in a Pat Patterson as well. And you mentioned that he was, you know, one of the few guys that had Vince's ear that Vince trusted. And he might be the last guy ever until Vince, you know, eventually passes away. He might be the last guy ever that has worldwide, you know, wrestling history at his disposal that also has Vince's ear. Because Bruce Pritchard, yeah. yeah, he was in Texas for a little bit or whatever. He's a WWF guy. He's been a WWF since eight, 1987. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't watch anything else. He only watches WWF. You know what I mean? Like, that's all he fucking knows. He doesn't know anything and, and about any other company. And, let, and let's be honest. He's really just telling Vince what he thinks Vince right, wants to hear. Exactly. He, he's not challenging Vince. He's not, you know, no. yeah. Pat was a guy who, who could, could pull from Kentucky, could pull from Alabama, could pull from AWA, could pull from Montreal, he could pull from New Japan for wrestling where he had, I mean, he could pull from all these different places that a lot of San other guys, Francisco, San Francisco, Roy Shire, and yeah, like, he learned from Boston. some of the best bookers ever, yeah, Boston, Boston of course, yeah, he's got Mad Dog Vachon at, at his disposal, he's got Roy Shire at his disposal, he's got Vern Gagne at his he's a guy that was a world-traveled pro wrestler that ended up in that position with Vince's ear, so that he could say, Hey, well, what about this finish that I remember that we did and, and, and yada, yada or whatever, sell it to Vince and get it done as, and, and, and that was, that's important because it led to not everything kind of seeming the same and some new ideas and different ideas and ideas that weren't just kind of regurgitated stuff. Whereas, you know, these days and, 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 and probably in the future and over the last few years, it's just, you know, basically the same overall concepts, just regurgitated, regurgitated, regurgitated because it's people that only know one type of pro wrestling Talking about the same type of pro wrestling and booking the same type of pro wrestling. And it never it never advances, it never moves, it's never unique, it's never different because everybody in that building that has Vince's ear, and, and there's a there, of course, there's hundreds of guys that are employed that have great minds of the wrestling. Do you think Adam Pierce you think Vince McMahon's gonna say, Adam, pal, uh, how do you how do you, how do we, how should we finish this match? He doesn't give two shits what Adam Pierce thinks about anything. 
Yeah. And and, and that's yeah. like nobody, the, the people that have Vince's ear, Pat might be the last guy ever that, that will have all that experience. And that isn't just a yes man. That will challenge him. That will, you know, offer ideas from, from the wide range of pro wrestling. Uh, and that was important. I mean, that that's what made this company special. And that's why so many of us, you know, became lifelong wrestling fans because of this company. And, and I think Pat plays just a tremendous, tremendous role uh, uh, in that. And and, then, and that's just behind the scenes like we're talking about. And and you and I obviously don't know a ton about his in-ring because, you know, we weren't there for most of it or we weren't alive for most of it. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's – it's and I think um, I, well, I, I, anything. Oh, go ahead. Anything go ahead. I anything I ever watched has been good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah the guy yeah. could very obviously go like like we said, even into the 80s, he could still go. Um. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, there is some fo- there is footage out there of this guy. But to speak to a point you just made about having all this worldwide experience and bringing different ideas to the table. It reminded me of something Dave Meltzer talked about when he did his audio on Patterson um, the other day, or I guess earlier today or whatever it was, that he did all of those Iron Man matches in San Francisco, and he did a famous one with Don Morocco that went 65 minutes because it went to an overtime. And that was the idea behind the Shawn Michaels-Bret Hart Iron Man match at WrestleMania, which also went to overtime. So that's a perfect example of something from that he remembered that he did that was successful in his career that he either saw or participated in. And then he brought that idea to the WWF, you know, um, doing a very similar match to, uh, to what he, you know, did against Morocco in San Francisco. So that speaks exactly to the point you're talking about. Uh, one thing, and, and I saw this tweet and I believe I'm almost positive. Uh, forgive me if I've, 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 you know, misattributed this to, to, to who it was, but I think it was Trevor Dame who, who hosts the, you know, the, through the, R, through the years, the ROH, you know, retrospective podcast, uh, at Trevor Dame, who I think had a very interesting discussion about Pat Patterson. Um, and he said, is, is, is Pat Patterson one of the only people? And this is, it's an interesting question. There, there's, there's some caveats and there's some, you know, interesting debate that can happen with it. But is Pat Patterson one of the few guys ever? that is a Hall of Famer for two completely separate parts of pro wrestling, a Hall of Famer in wrestling and a Hall of Famer as a booker and not really ever overlapping the two as well. This isn't a situation where, you know, the top star is a booker and books himself in, 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 in big, you know, important spots. This is a guy who wrestled, then stopped wrestling and became an office guy and then has really claim at a Hall of Fame career in both of those. There's probably others. But there's not many. Yeah. Now he did book during his wrestling career. He, you know, he booked for Roy Shire and he booked for other people. But yeah, I get the idea here because his his WWF office career is a Hall of Fame career, even without considering anything else. And his wrestling career is a Hall of Fame career without considering mm-hmm. anything else. So how many other people? I mean, maybe Giant Baba. Do you count the comedy openers that he was doing? At the end of his career, as yeah, that's still a good. That, that's that's one of the first ones that I thought of because he he yeah I I I wouldn't count that. I mean, yeah, he's wrestling just because he's there, but like he's not an integral part of, of the actual in ring of all Japan during his what I would call his Hall of Fame booking years. He's not an integral right. part of, of of that company. So no, I I I think he counts for sure. Yeah, and then um, you know, there's probably some other obvious ones that we're forgetting, or maybe there isn't. Maybe there aren't a lot of guys who. There's a clear line. The problem is no one retires. Pat mm-hmm. Patterson retired. Right, <laughs> right. 
you know, early so in his life to too. Dude, of... when you look at how old Pat Patterson was, when he was one of the stooges in the Attitude Era, yeah, when he's just this old decrepit stooge, he's like three years older than the Undertaker is right now. You know what I mean? Like he's like yeah. he's like fifty six, fifty seven years old as he's like this relic of a past, and it's like he's you know barely older than these guys that are regulars still. Yeah, I mean, well, and that was ten years, just, like that was fifteen years into his retirement too. You know, what I mean, he stopped wrestling, and you know, many, many years before that. It just speaks to, you know, modern wrestlers are like modern athletes; they stay in better shape and they stay in better shape longer. And in wrestling, where it's worked, it's like you don't it's, since it's not quote unquote real skills, you can keep doing it longer. So it's like there's so many guys that are in their forties late 40s and even 50s there's people and we talk about them all the time we talked about ogawa last week who are just is are just as good as they were when they were 28 in some cases they're better we talk about that all the time but he was in an era where they they drank and they were and and and, and the road was not easy and the road owned these people and they lived hard lives and they lived fast lives and yeah you you know it's you were fucking washed up a lot sooner back then so I think that has a lot to do with it too. But um but yeah, that's crazy to think about where he was <laughs> retired for so long and he's like the same age as the Undertaker is now during the, that that you know that terrible stooge stuff, which was awful. I mean that stuff was terrible. The, the comedy of it, okay, I will say uh, if you go back and watch some of it, Pat's awesome in it. Like the, the material is terrible and it's just like thinly veiled, you know, homosexual jokes directed at Pat Patterson. Um Yeah. But he's great in it. He's tremendous in it. Because he's just fucking great. Which we, which we should mention, an openly gay man in the 60s and 70s as a star in, yeah, pro in wrestling. professional wrestling, which, you know, <laughs> as of, you know, even 2020, uh, you know, maybe now more than ever. But, yeah, it's probably the last five or six years that, you know, uh, being gay or, or, or being in any way different than the norm in pro wrestling has been like an accepted thing. That dude, for 40 years, for, for, for multiple decades was an openly gay pro wrestler that would have to walk in these locker rooms and, 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 you know, talk to these people and discuss and everybody knew. And, you know I mean? Like they, they, I know WWE did something in their legends house a few years ago where he came out as gay. It was like, I mean, he wrote a book, like, yeah. wrote a book no. like years ago about it. It's like, they're like this week on legends house, Pat Patterson reveals that he's gay. And it's like, Oh, okay. that's just reality. TV yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I it was, mean, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, everybody knew everybody knew for years and years and years yeah. and years. And I didn't know this until today, but apparently Roy Shire was a homophobe. I had no idea. That's what I mean. And I mean, worked- fuck, yeah. How many guys were homophobes then? I mean, let's be honest. It, it's we're talking pro wrestling in the 60s and the 70s. like that. Yeah, and he, wor- he worked for him for years, and he was his booker. Like, this is a man who, as Meltzer described it, hated homosexuals, the word he used. But Pat Patterson was his booker and one of his top stars for all those years because you know, I guess money trumps all, but that's the kind of shit that he had to deal with. You know, and like you're saying, it's not even easy today. But we're talking about 1965. You know, so you know, there's there's that whole aspect to his career too that you know we almost didn't even bring up. Um, right down to like you're saying, the thinly veiled gay jokes during you know the attitude era. You know that that he had to put up with. He may have been good natured about it. I have no idea. I mean, that's you know who knows. But, um, yeah, that's a whole nother aspect to his career that, that needs to be addressed. 
Someone in the chat room brought up Bill Watts as another contender for that split career double Hall of Fame. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I would say that Bill Watts was a Hall of Fame wrestler and a Hall of Fame promoter. I think that's fair. Uh, but yeah, there's not there's not a ton of them. I mean, if you want to count Baba. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like a question where immediately you'd go like, no way. And then you're like, oh, I mean, yeah, with the caveat of like, you can't be an active, you know, because people would bring up like a Dusty Rhodes. But it's like, yeah, but like the entire time that he's booking, he's booking himself and uh, not really, a, I would call like a Hall of Fame booker in, 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 in that sense. So, yeah, I don't think he counts. And, and there's there's a lot of guys that are easy to name, guys that did it, did, you know, did both jobs or were important executives and also wrestlers. Uh, but very few, like you said, where if you separated those two careers, uh, they'd be a Hall of Famer in both of those, you know, com- two completely independent careers. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of a ton off the top of my head. Um, there's a lot of guys who maybe were very solid pro wrestlers and then Hall of Fame promoters or solid bookers or promoters, but but Hall of Fame wrestling. Yeah, it's it's a tough combo for a lot of different reasons. Um, but Patterson got very sick at the end. I, it was kind of disturbing listening to the details. He had lost like 60 pounds. And, yeah. Um, you know, so he was what? 79 years old. 79. Yeah. So, uh, but again, I mean, he, he always seemed older than he was like you're saying, like it felt like he was always in his sixties, but he wasn't right. You're going like, to watch those 1981 the- matches and he looks Almost the same as he would in, you know, the year 2000. He's got, he's got the white hair yeah. pretty much from, from day. Uh, it's a little more blonde in those days, but it's, 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 you know, it's pretty close. And he's kind of always had a gut and he always kind of just looked like he was like 55 years old. So, uh, yeah, even until like the, fa- the last few years, he started looking a little older. But, yeah, I don't think he, you know, yeah, he, 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 a guy who definitely, yeah, you would have thought in, in, in the year 2000 that he was 80 and he was, he was 59. So, like. Yeah, yeah. And Legends House, I mean. You know, Okerlund is dead. Patterson's oh, dead. Fuck. Piper's dead. Jeez, I never thought of that. Um, <laughs> Good God. Yeah, Jimmy Hart's still alive. Yeah, Jimmy Hart, Tony Atlas, Duggan. I think the rest are still alive. Oh, no. Um, um, the ring out. Uh, Finkel's dead. Oh, shit. Right. Yeah. Fuck. So that's four. And then you have Hart, Atlas, Duggan. Is that it? There are some guys, right? So do we lose? We lost. We lost. God damn, we lost Okerlund. Or no, we lost a uh, 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 Finkel and Patterson in the same year too, right? Yeah. Fuck. That's, yeah. yeah. So and, it's gonna it's gonna get used to this. Unfortunately, this is. Well, you know, Rich. People die. People do <laughs> That's die. That's true. <laughs> that you is know? true. You you it, it, you wrestle with this every night when you put your uh, you close your eyes. I do. So. <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it never, you know, it, it never stops. But, um, you know, the Legends House did produce that tremendous, I mean, th- they took that, uh, that piece of footage of him doing karaoke of Frank Sinatra's My Way from Legends House and made that part of that tremendous oh my god that video they played it before nxt it is also available on youtube as well if you just look up WWE pat patterson go out of your way to watch it that is is it's so standing good. ovation stuff it is incredible i mean i'm not I, my eyes well done yeah that oh yeah and I, like i i say with me I, it's that's it's the sinatra it's using him singing it juxtaposed i mean it is like I never met the man i don't know much of you know i, I but yeah it's like at the end of that you, if you don't get choked up a little bit 
and, and that end as he's singing my way, you know, as I did it my way, it's like, oh fuck, like Jesus Christ. He's doing a duet with 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 Frank Sinatra, and there's there, you know, there's footage of him from Legends House doing the karaoke, and then you know, the footage of his career, and they just did such a classy job with that. Yeah, that is that was I tremendous. mean we pile on this company a lot and for good reason, but that they did a really classy job with that, a tremendous job. Did you know that My Way is allegedly the most played song at funerals and wakes? So uh, there's a little piece of trivia for you. Interesting. You know, I, don't people... think I've ever, I don't think I've ever heard it, at, but I also did not grow up in the uh, the East Coast. I can imagine everybody that gets buried in New York and New Jersey probably has that song played. Are you kidding me? Every Italian guy who dies in <laughs> uh, the Northeast, say, right. that's the song he wants played at his funeral, you know? Um, but yeah, it's a good it's, song. It's, I mean, it's a great song. I mean, it, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a tear. Oh, let me tell yeah. you. I, I'm not like a, I'm not like a, there's some people I, I know. And it's, it's sacrilege. I, I have one buddy who's like my age, but Italian. And he fucking, I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll come to blows if I say that, you know, this in front of him, but like, I could take or leave Sinatra most times. It's, it's uh, you fine. know what? We're 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 gonna come the blues. <laughs> He's fine. He's okay. But but I will say that that song is fucking. When he hits, it's like fucking incredible. Yeah, that song. That's a great song. Re- sing along while read lyrics to that song. It'll get you. You'll be like, I could see why people pick this for their funerals. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, tremendous song. How about the Elvis version? Maybe you like the Elvis version. Nah, I, don't I mean, have no time for Elvis. So. Nah, got to uh, the Elvis version is good. I mean, even as a big Sinatra mark, I got to admit, Elvis did a nice job with it. All the other versions can fucking kick rocks, but Elvis, I'll give him a pass. I'll accept the uh, the the I'll accept the Memphis Territory version of the song, along with the New York Territory version of the song. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's fair. But uh, I, I, I used to do that all the time when I traveled for work like I'd. I would tell people where I'm going based on what wrestling territory it was. And they would never understand what I was saying. Like, I'd be like, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm headed out to the Geigel territory next week. So I'm not <laughs> going to be around. And I'd forget that I was talking to like a civilian. Yeah. And not I'll, a be the Poffo, I'll be the outlaw Poffo region. So I'll see like, what the fuck you're talking about. dude. <laughs> right. Right. And, and, and they're like Geigel territory. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to Kansas next week. I apologize. You don't, you don't speak wrestling. Um, but yeah, that was a tremendous. I'm sure they'll play it before Raw. Yeah, I'm oh, sure they're they're gonna lay it. I mean, this is this is one of those guys that, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure internally in that company. I mean, they're, they're this is not the end of the Pat Patterson stuff. You're gonna get a lot of Pat Patterson stuff because I mean, this is one of Vince's best friends. I mean, right hand man, a guy that 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 was with the company forever, a, a lifer as much as lifers can be. I mean, yeah, there this is this is a big one. This is definitely hurting. Uh, uh, all of those guys backstage, and and he touched a lot of the NXT guys as well. We forgot to mention that is is in you know the last few years of his life, he became a big sort of guy in you know training guys in NXT, helping guys in NXT, you know giving people ideas. I, I remember you know one of my one of my favorite matches ever, you know Sami Zayn beating uh, Neville for the title, uh, and who's the first guy to kind of greet Sami Zayn as he wins the titles is Pat Patterson, you know, in his windbreaker, his NXT windbreaker. You know, coming out and hugging Sami Zayn, and and you know there was quotes from Sami Zayn saying how important he was to his career and stuff. You know, as as, as a guy from that area, uh, from that region, and, and and yeah, so he's a guy who touched those people's lives uh, as well. So yeah, just it just there's not like and and you saw it from social media. I mean, there's so many people, all, so many generations of pro wrestlers, from The Rock to 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 guys coming up in NXT today to to guys forty fifty years prior uh, that all can kind of speak to Pat Patterson and, and the impact that he had on him. So yeah, I found a a highlight reel on the network, but I don't know if this is going to be the, 
the the match playlist that they're eventually going to put together. Um, so I don't know. There's a 1984 match against Kamala. How about that? Yeah, that, that, I watched that. It's um, it's interesting. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. I don't know why they picked that one. Um, but yeah. It's- well, it's because they don't have a ton of his footage. We talked about this. Like, y- y- they don't have the San Francisco stuff. They don't have the Montreal stuff. I-, I mean, what what do they have? They have their own stuff, and they have the AWA stuff. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot of pickings from there. So, you know, and and you know they're going to work in the Attitude Era stuff because they know they think that's what people want, and they think that's what people remember. So there's really not a ton more to choose from. So you're going to get stuff like that. Um. So, yeah, Patterson's greatest matches, I guess, maybe they aren't putting together a playlist, and maybe it's just going to be that six-minute highlight video that I watched. Maybe I got it wrong, because I do see that on here now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Um, and it's only six minutes long, so. Um, you know, who's running this thing? I mean, they, they should have had something up within hours. You know, with the best stuff they had from this guy at their disposal, you know, capped off with that Sergeant Slaughter match. You know, matches in full. I mean, what are they doing? That's what this thing is for. Yeah, and that's that's like and 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 not to be crass, but anybody that works in a media organization or whatever, I mean, you do that stuff every year. There, there's somebody who gets together and says, "Okay, who's you know, just in case, you know, here's these old guys. Let's you know get stuff ready so that you know if and when they pass away, you have a press release ready, you have the videos ready, you have the graphics ready, you have all that stuff. It's 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 terrible. Like you hate to do that, but that's part of the job. I mean, doing it at a newspaper, you have to do it. I mean, it, it, it's part of it. And you're like you said, the WWE Network. Plus, it's the freaking WWE Network. It should be easy to type in Pat Patterson, click two buttons, and hit save, and then boom, there's a Pat Patterson playlist that's been made. Like that should be done. Like that should take ten minutes. You know, press release should come down to some guy, and he goes, "Oh shit, Pat Patterson passed away." Okay, let's get a thing up there, and then yeah, it takes fifteen minutes to find every Pat Patterson match that you guys have, and then maybe you know, ask somebody, "Hey, what are the better ones, or which one should we cycle in?" Or you know, there's already a rating system in there, you know, CMS that says, "Okay, you know, th- this match is good, so so put this one up or whatever." But yeah, we're we're two days later now, and it's like, yeah, there's fucking nothing. So it's yeah, it's, it's just it sucks. Uh, yeah, they used to, they uh, there was a while there where they were pretty good at this sort of stuff, and now they've they've gotten away from that even. So I don't know what they do anymore. So they've what they have on here is the street fight slash alley fight slash I think we called it the boot camp match, but I think you know from May fourth eighty one they've got highlights of that, and then the uh, so this will tell you at least what they have. Then there's a nineteen eighty match against Ken Patera from September nineteen eighty, and then a tag match with Dusty Rhodes against the Wild Samoans from nineteen eighty. Looks like MSG. So that's an interesting match, if nothing else. I'd love to watch that in full, but who knows if they're going to give it to us. Um, and then DiBiase versus Patterson for the North American title. You talked about that one from 1979. You already mentioned that one. And then uh, what do I have next? Oh, th- now this is what I'm talking about. Pat Patterson versus Baron Mikel Sakluna from 1977. <laughs> That's probably awful. It's not good. Sakluna. It's so bad. Yeah, I, I watched. There's a little bit of that on YouTube, or I watched that. I watched that playlist video that you're talking about. I yeah. think it's the match in full because it's literally like 45 seconds, and it's 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 really really bad. It's as as bad well, as you would Sakluna assume. Sakluna stinks. He I mean, is. He was... I've never seen him before, but he is a horrendous pro wrestler. <laughs> Just really really bad. He looks like looks no, like a plumber was... too. He looks like a bad plumber, not even like a good plumber. Sakluna is like the perfect example of that horrible late 70s WWWF period where 
they had all those really big guys that just couldn't go. You know, it was just slow and methodical and shitty. Um, he was he was like the poster boy for that. He stunk. He's in the Hall of Fame because he was one of, you know, Vince Sr.'s guys, their Hall of Fame, WWE Hall of Fame. But, you know, he was never even really pushed. I mean, I, that's a terrible – if that's one of the top six matches you're featuring in a playlist, I mean, you, you're <laughs> either lost yeah, or you don't, don't have a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that is uh, the uh, Pat Patterson again. I'd I'd love to say go watch this or or go watch that, but I don't know um, how much you're gonna be able to find. So you can you can try to uh, uh, search around online. I, I did a little bit. There is not a whole lot on YouTube still left uh, of kind of classic Pat Patterson stuff. So unfortunately, not a lot you can watch in ring. But but you know, watch Royal Rumble and 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 you know, go watch the Royal Rumble 1992. Go watch you know any random Royal Rumble. Um, you'll 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 see his impact uh, from there for sure. Go watch the main event. I watched that not that long ago. The the two the two Hebners that it's still fucking rules. So like it's so awesome. The cage match uh, inmates do, are not seeing that slaughter match through 1981 eyes. I could tell you that. Oh no! What, what's it? What's it on on cage match? Six point five eight. Yeah, that's about where it would be. Yeah, they're not crushing it, but it's fine. Um, you know, they're giving it three and a quarter. It's it's it, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't upset this year's match of the year list. I will say that it definitely uh, 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 does that. And oh, Matthew uh, in, in our chat reminded us uh, first intercontinental champion ever won that grueling tournament in Rio de Janeiro. So oh, who could forget? I'm waiting for the footage of that. To yeah, pop maybe up. that'll be the drop on the network. Is we've been sitting on this footage for years, but here it is finally in full the intercontinental championship tournament from Rio de Janeiro. So when I was a kid, that's the only reason I knew Rio de Janeiro existed. Oh when yeah, like for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> that's the weird fucked up childhood that I always had too. Is yeah, reading through the PWI almanacs or whatever and seeing uh, yeah. many many titles uh, decided in Rio de Janeiro too. A, a hot a hotbed for title changes and uh, tournament finals in uh, in those days. Uh, hey, is any of his stuff on uh, New Japan World? That's uh, you know I actually as you were speaking because I was on Cage Match and I saw that Siki Sekaguchi match has a few ratings on it, uh, and I was actually about to fire it up to see if I can find old Pat Patterson. So let me see. Uh, if he shows up anywhere, you know, I've been watching a lot of the New Japan stuff from that era. No, I, it doesn't look like he's there anywhere. Yeah, I haven't come across him at all, so that's a shame because I don't think I've ever seen him wrestle in New Japan. Yeah, I talked to Patterson, Pat Patterson. Yeah, nothing for that. So, sucks. Are you using uh, Wex extension? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right. Just making sure you're on top of things. Oh yeah, yeah. That that one always. Makes the makes the search function actually work on New Japan World, so it's it's important. Well, you so, watch that 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 uh, street fight with Slaughter in '81, and it wins match of the year, and you got to consider it's a 1981 match. You know, right, right, right. It 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 really hammers home and exemplifies just how shocking Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask were the next year to those eyes. This is why I can never agree with people who call those matches overrated, because you place those Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask matches into that context, and there's no way you can call those matches overrated. It's crazy to even hold that opinion, and it's an opinion that really bothers me a lot. And by the way, I just went back and rewatched all of them as I go through the early 80s New Japan stuff, you know, for pleasure. And they do hold up, like... People have said those matches are overrated for so long that now they're underrated. Like, 
they're underrated now because people have bashed those matches. For, they're they're good matches. There's still those. There's still stuff in that matches that blow you away when you watch. Oh yeah, they're, they're like, good. Holy as hell. shit! Yeah, yeah. Anybody that says they're overrated are out of their fucking mind. Like they, they, you, you plop them onto a show in 2020, and and they'd still be a good match on these shows. They'd be a great match uh, on shows today, and and that is, you know, unbelievable given the context of the time. Again, like you said, you, you go, you know, you watch other stuff on, you know, these WWE MSG shows. It's fun stuff. Like it's interesting stuff. I like it, but it's you know, it's wobbly leg selling. It's you know. Punch, kick, punch, kick, punch, kick, wobbly leg, wobbly leg. Like, you know, it's just that sort of stuff. Or, you know, the shaking of the arm. And you get that a lot in this 81 boot camp match or whatever. It's, it's like, fun, but a lot of it is just, like, you know, exaggerated punches. And then Sergeant Slaughter, like, waving his arms back and forth as he wobbles, you know, to fall on the ground or whatever. And that's fine. Like, that's what pro wrestling was in those days. But then, yeah, like you're saying, to compare that to Tiger Mask and, and, and Dynamite Kid, and it's, like, these dudes working a match that could fit perfectly in, you know, to 2019 or 2020 or whatever. Yeah, it is. It's mind-boggling to people that say that overrated so or even compare it to you know baron mikhail sakluna oh you know, jesus christ like, yeah it's like two top like, level athletes just doing stuff you've never seen before compared to you know your neighbor no, i mean your compare, fat neighbor. i mean com- <laughs> yeah. i mean compare patterson and slaughter to even oh yeah oh i see we, yeah 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 you know to, to what was going on around them at that time as well so it's like um, and the thing is, the, the Tiger Mask Dynamite Kid match that won, the MSG match that won match of the year, is like one of my least favorite of the series. You know, that match won match of the year because everybody got a hold of that tape in 1982. You know what I mean? Because that was the big tape that was going around in the early days of ECRs. But the, the matches they had in Japan were way better than the MSG match. The MSG match, everybody got the tape, and it was the first time people were seeing it. That was the big key to that match and why it won match of the year when it did. It wasn't the best match of that series. You know, and it may not have even have been the best match. And it wasn't the best match that year because those two guys had a better matches that year. So, um, anyway, I don't know how we got off on that. But just, you know, when it comes to older footage like that, you have to put it in the context of its time. You, you really do. You know, we talk about it all the time. Frank Home Run Baker had the nickname home run and he would hit eight home runs a year. Right. I, I mean, 12 one year. That was the big year. And his literal nickname was home run. Cause he was such a feared power hitter. And I don't think he ever hit 10 home runs in a season. Um, you know, or maybe he hit 10 or 11 a couple times, but you know, so you got to put people in the context of their era. You know, it takes nothing away from the fact that he was a great home run hitter. Cause he was for his time. So that's how you get from Pat Patterson to Frank Home Run Baker. <laughs> right. Only on this show. Only on this show you get Home Run Baker and, and Pat Patterson uh, uh, discussions. So that's, that is that. Um, sticking with uh, NXT uh, and WWE, uh, War Games. This Sunday, Joe, are you ready for NXT TakeOver War Games? Yay. So ready. <laughs> you were just in... Oh, you cannot wait to talk about Team Shotzi. Versus Team Candice, you got Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm. Uh, all joking aside, this has actually been a pretty good build. The Team Candice is, is pretty interesting. Um, team Shotzi kind of thrown together, uh, semi last minute, uh, but I mean, all in all, like I'm, I'm sure they're going to bust their ass. And they're going to try really hard. I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm more excited for the women's one because I am more a little bit more excited uh, for the men's one. Full disclosure, like NXT TV is like kind of been boring as fuck lately. Um, particularly the last few episodes as I kind of, you know, binge watched them uh, in preparation for the show. With that said, like, this card looks pretty solid. Like, these two War Games matches look solid as hell. Uh, it's just the TV is, is just boring as hell. It's really hard to get excited 
uh, about the actual build of these matches, but on paper they, they look pretty solid. I, I will say that. But uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the women's war game, Team Shotzi, Team Candice? Well, I mean, in both war games matches, the babyface team has the advantage, which is very weird. I could see doing it in one of the matches just to make it a little different, or if you have an angle planned, if someone's going to turn, if someone's going to get injured. But in both matches, I mean, the psychology there is just all thrown off. And I'm all for doing things different, you know? And it was always so predictable when the horsemen would win the coin flip. That became a meme, you know? Jay Dillon was the greatest coin flip predictor in the history of the world. That was, you know, uh, something that people just left. But it made the psychology of the matches work because you want those heels to have that advantage. And you want to do that long beatdown, you know, and then the baby face comes in and starts to clean house when the odds are even. And then the heel comes in and you get another long beatdown. That's the proper psychology for these matches. What the fuck are they going to do where both matches have the baby face with the advantage? You can't do the same injury angle in both matches. So, and you're not just going to let the baby faces have the advantage. So how do you lay these out? How do you book them? You know, this is something where Pat Patterson would say, you've lost your minds. You you can't have both of these matches where the baby faces have the, the advantage. So it's just weird to me. Yeah, and they did, of course, uh, ladder matches determine uh, the winners of both because WWE is absolutely and completely addicted to ladder matches. Uh, at this point, yeah. uh, I, I tweeted out about it earlier, now, but yeah, 10% of all WWE ladder matches ever have taken place this year alone. And we have insane. a TLC coming up in, in two weeks. So the number's only going to go up. Yeah, 12 this year and so far. It's to the point where they're using ladder matches to determine stipulations for other matches. Where like ladder matches used to be a big blow off or something you do in a big feud or now it's just a, another step to determine some other stipulate. It's crazy. But I don't remember if it was here or on the uh, Winter is Coming instant reaction. It's like they're doing that because they've been a bit of a ratings draw. Yeah. You know, it bumps their quarters. So now they're overdoing them. And what's going to happen is they're just going to burn them out. I mean, they've burned them out with people like us a long time ago, but you're going to burn out ladder matches with the general audience and maybe they have already to some extent. How could you get excited about ladder match? The ladder match last night was Shotzi Blackheart against... Uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Raquel Gonzalez. And I think that even fans in general have turned on the idea that ladder matches are just, you're automatically going to get a great match. Like, we turned on that idea a long time ago, right? But I look on Grapple. And these two had a ladder match last night. And I watched it. Did you watch it? I did, yeah. The grapple average for that ladder match main event is 2.68. <laughs> Man, well, I mean, it wasn't good. So I, I, I can't, you know, I can't disagree with them. I don't know if I'd go that low. But I wouldn't. It wasn't like a four-star match either. No. And it used to be ladder matches because they were rare. And you would see things you don't normally see. How excited do you would you get for the Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania every year when they were new? Yeah, oh, my favorite match. Was I, always... mean, I, I was a ladder match fiend. Like I, I, you know, when they had that DVD, they came out with a DVD of the you know ladder matches. It was just WWE ladder matches DVD. I fucking bought that thing the first day it came out. Like I was, I was, you know, what Dave Meltzer is today, where he's just you know a ladder, you know, an extra three stars 
uh, for a ladder match, a baseline, uh, you know, of three stars for, for a ladder match, or three or four stars. Now, dude, I fucking loved ladder matches, man. Those were my favorite matches growing up. I thought they were so unique and so different. And now I just I don't give two shits about a ladder match. I, I groan when I hear a ladder match is coming. I'm like, ah, oh, God, there's so many of them. I've, I've personally live seen like 15 ladder matches in my life. Like, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. I think fans are, are starting to be over it, too. I mean, because, you know, maybe if that was the only ladder match all year, people would have enjoyed it more. But we're so numb to it because we just we've seen every spot and we've seen 10 percent of them that have ever taken place this year. And it's like, how can you get it? Keep getting excited about they're just another match now. It's like no different than a fucking tag team match. Because they do them so often. So, yeah, what a bizarre way to determine <laughs> the advantage. <laughs> WCW used the coin flip. WWE uses a ladder match to determine it. It's just like. Yeah. The human it's, capital it's of, of a ladder match to determine the advantage, too, is, is, is wild. Especially in front of no fans. Like, the, the year that they decide to have 12, or fucking, it'll now, it'll be 14, I think, when the year's over. The year that they decide, oh, fuck, they might, fit, they might fit a few in there at the end of the year, too. The year they decide to have 14 fucking ladder matches is the year where they don't have fans. It's just like, you know what I mean? It's there. Go out there. And, and, and unfortunately, the wrestlers have this expectation that they need to go out there and, and, and bust their ass and take big bumps. Uh, and do that sort of stuff, but you know, like you said, those bumps don't matter anymore, and people don't care about those bumps anymore. You, you know, and they're not even in front of, and they're not even in front of fans this year, right? So you're you're killing yourself. You're you're taking these giant bumps, and for what? I mean, for nothing. It's 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 bizarre. But anyway, no one will no one will ever remember that match last night. And you know, we did this exercise a few weeks ago. We don't even remember the ladder matches from this year. We couldn't name them all. Shouldn't be that way, but you know when you do them nearly every week, this is what happens. Now, Shotzi Blackheart, I mean, they love her. I mean, it, it appears she's getting a big push. Oh, she's past Rhea Ripley. I mean, but you, you can look at the the optics of the final um, shot of, of NXT is you know Shotzi. Well, it's, it's fucking it's Team Shotzi. I mean, first off, it's it, it's Shotzi Blackheart at the top of the ladder. You know, she's flexing, and then there's Ember Moon and Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai just kind of around her. Uh, she's on top of the ladder, so yeah, there, there's no doubt that she is is the most pushed commodity, uh, woman's commodity in in that company right now for sure. Yeah, and Io Shirai is a proven ratings draw, and and all of her quarter hours do well. And Rhea Ripley, well, she learned a very important lesson by losing a few to Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, could you believe that quote? I yeah, I could. Yes, uh, I shouldn't have believed that quote, but I absolutely did. I I that is. I, I and I will honestly, you know, of all the there's, there's well, hold on, hold that ahead, thought. Ahead, Let, let's catch. We assume people know, so let's catch people up. So Triple H had his uh, media call today for War Games, and somebody I don't know who it is, but I'd like to pat them on the back for asking a good question. Somebody asked him about you know a, a follow up on his promise that they, they had big plans for Rhea Ripley even though she lost to Charlotte, and it was going to lead to something bigger down the line, which, you know, we knew was complete bullshit and was never going to happen, and we laughed at it at the time. Uh, but this, whoever this reporter was called him out on it and said, well, what's going on? And Triple H basically conceded that there are no future plans for Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. He blamed the pandemic, mm. which this entire feud has taken place during the pandemic. So that he's... <laughs> He's talking out their of his blow, ass. Their blow-off was in front of no fans at WrestleMania. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, WrestleMania had no fans. 
So the whole feud says taking place during the pandemic. So you could you know you know right there he's talking out of his ass, okay, and just making excuses on the fly. And uh, he said, yeah, so we're probably not going to get back to that. And those plans were blown up because there were no plans. He's showing his ass. And uh, it's okay because Rhea has learned very valuable lessons uh. with this whole experience, to which, of course, he didn't expand on. What lesson is there to be learned? That this company will completely, uh, you know, blow your push every step of the way. That you're just going to be fed to Charlotte Flair every step. Of... Here's what the this was. This is what the lesson they told Rhea Ripley was: You and every other woman in this company solely exist to be fed to Charlotte Flair. That's the lesson. We we nailed it at the time. That's exactly what went down here. And I won't expose who it was because it'll cause headlines. But let's just say that we spoke to someone about this. You remember this, Rich? I do, yeah. We spoke about this Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley thing with a major power player in pro wrestling, okay, outside of WWE, and they were completely perplexed at how all of this went down and, and agreed with everything we had to say, and we had a long conversation with this person, and uh, they couldn't believe how badly this was botched. And we all laughed and knew that this was never going to lead to anything. It's just a disgrace how badly they've botched her. And now they're framing it as, oh, these are valuable lessons. This company is warped. Whatever happened to just pushing people who have potential? Why do we have to beat them down and try to teach them lessons? And, sh and, and what happens is it shatters their – how many people have we seen come through over the years – and it completely shatters their confidence. Right. You, you, a lot of people, the, the problem that happens a lot of times is people will kind of retcon it and be like, oh, can you believe that they were going to push Zack Ryder or they were going to push Dolph Ziggler or they were going to push, you know, all these people. And it's like, dude, you don't understand. These people were hot. Like these people were like, Zack Ryder's the perfect example. That dude, for whatever it was. Yeah, I, I, I agree. In, in in hindsight, it's kind of ridiculous to think, oh, shit, they should have pushed Zack Ryder. But that dude, when he had all the confidence in the world, when that Long Island IZ stuff was going on, when the YouTube series was going on, going on, when he was a big part of Raw, when he would come out and get the biggest reactions every night, that dude was working like a mile a minute. Like, he, you could see it. You could see it in his body language. That dude knew, hey, I'm doing it. They told me to grab the brass ring, and I grabbed that brass ring, and now I'm, I'm on Raw, and I'm getting the biggest shots of the night, and I'm doing all that sort of stuff. And then you contrast that to where he was two years ago and where he is now. That dude's confidence shattered, done never to become again. Dolph Ziggler, same deal. There was a time when Dolph was like the hottest guy in wrestling, and it was like so ridiculous that they were not put, you know, just not going with this guy as like a, a major part of their company or whatever. And now today he's just kind of like, yeah, I don't really watch wrestling. Wrestling kind of sucks. It's just a job. And it's like, dude, this guy loved his. I mean, this guy was bouncing around the ring and bumping like a madman and and going out there and having great matches. He beats El Del Rio. He cashes in the briefcase. Like, yeah, they beat you down. And there's a lot of people that will go back and look at these old pushes and go, oh my god, I can't believe everybody wanted this guy. To get pushed, and it's like, yeah, but when you know, when we all said that, that dude had all the confidence in the world. And Rhea Ripley, at like 22 or 23 years old, was just like, fucking, I, she had everything that you could want. I cannot imagine anybody in that building thinking, ah, nah, she doesn't have, you know, nah, we can't do it because of blank. Like, what more do you need? <laughs> like, what, what else did you need out of her? Well, you gotta, you gotta teach them lessons. Listen, <laughs> and, and then here's what so happens stupid, you, you, you beat the confidence out of them. And you also force the audience to lose faith in them. Mm -hmm. That Those two things are what occurs when you're teaching people lessons. Because they think they could just flip the switch down the line. But because they've botched it with so many people, you've taught the audience not to care about people when you, when you de-push them. So even if they somehow retain their confidence as performers, 
you know, you're doing damage with the audience. Right, right. Because we always get the, there's people that will go on Twitter and say, oh, well, let it play out or let's see where it goes. And we're like, no, we know where it's going to go. And we're always right. We're not, we're 99.9999% right when we say, not nah, this is, you can tell when it, you watch this company for your entire fucking life because of Pat Patterson, like we said. You, we get it. When, when, when she lost, when Rhea Ripley lost at WrestleMania, you and I said, well, she's fucking done. That's it for her. And everybody said, no, let it play out or, oh, let them tell their story. And we're like, no. We get it. We we've watched this company for 30, 40 years. We understand where this is going. We know where it's going to happen here. Don't fucking tell there, us. Don't explain. Don't, was don't no McMahon explain st- us. We know. <laughs> you know what I mean? We yeah, know what's going to exactly. happen here. There was no fucking story, and today was the proof. Oh, the pandemic got in the way. The whole feud took place during the pandemic. The whole fucking thing. Yeah, didn't she lose an in your house match to Charlotte in front of? No- I mean, it was called in your house. You know, because of. The WrestleMania match was during the pandemic. That kicked <laughs> off the feud. The whole feud took place in the body of the pandemic. He's lying. There was never a plan. It's just he said that at the time to get people off their back for the fucking shitty book. Now, listen, it may not have even have been his decision. It probably came from Vince. So he had the cover for that shit. I'm sure if he had his way, Rio would have maybe won that feud or been 50-50 in it at minimum. They love the 50-50. It would have been better than this. She has got, she got the floor mopped with her. She lost the three-way with EO and she took the fall. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They couldn't even have, you know what I mean? They used her as the person to take the fall when they took the title off of Charlotte. It's, you know, Charlotte beat her for the title and then didn't even have to eat the fall to lose it. It's crazy, and and this is what they do. They, you know, and they frame it as teaching a lesson. It's just it's comical yeah, at this point. So stupid. It's comical, and look no further than Braun Strowman. As this is what I mean when the the viewers lose. Con- Does anyone view Braun Strowman as a top line star anymore? Hell no. Of course not, because they blew it by teaching him a lesson. Ah, oh, we got to humble him. Ah, we got to make sure he understood. Yeah, well, you blew it. Now no one believes in him, and now you can't push him. You know what Braun Strowman is now? He's the what the Bishop was for 15 years. A guy on the roster who's big, who you're going to give the occasional push, but he's lost so much, and he's done so much comedy and everything else that no one's going to take him seriously. You're not going to draw money with him. So, you know, history repeats. So, you know, there's Rhea. Just a face in the match, and Shotzi is blowing right past her. They'll teach Shotzi a lesson. At oh, some yeah. Two, oh, though. of course. Yeah. You know. She got to be told lesson. Can we talk about her promos for a second? Can we, we never let her speak? <laughs> Do we have to? Let's not. How about we not? Oh my God. It's, it's just never let her speak. If someone can't talk, don't let them talk. It's pretty simple. Just let her be spooky. Remember when she was spooky and had the contact lenses mm-hmm. and just looked cool and wrestled good? Now they have her talk, and it's like it destroys all of the aura about her because she's so terrible. Just let her go out there and look cool and wrestle. I mean, geez, this isn't hide the negatives, accentuate the positives. <laughs> no, it's it. Well, <sighs> you'll you'll, anyway, you'll, you'll, you'll the, drive uh, yourself crazy if you try to. And Tony know. Storm's a heel now yes. for some reason. Yeah, had some momentum going as a baby face coming back and everything. Ah, it's Turner heel. She's evil. Yeah. 
I don't understand. <laughs> they have, um, yeah, when you look at the people that they have heel on this heel side, you have Tony yeah. Storm, like the, the, the like a, a great babyface wrestler. You have Candice LeRae, the most babyface wrestler that's ever babyfaced, and then Dakota Kai, yeah. who was like a tremendous babyface as well. But they don't know how to book heels, so no, they don't know how to book babyfaces, so they have to turn all these people heel. It, it's 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 and they just <laughs> turn people for the fuck of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Tony like, turned for like, no reason. Yeah, there was no just the Dakota Kai turn was good. Yeah, that but... was awesome. That ruled. I will never. The I'll Tony never put Storm that turn. Like, what's the po- what's the point of the Tony Storm turn? I what like? Why would anyone hate her? They she was she was in NXT for like a month. You know, it's like wh- where's the built up commod? Like, she's not this built up babyface commodity that broke fans' hearts. They barely got to know her. So, what's the point of the turn? I know it's rhetorical. I don't. <laughs> yeah, expect you to I don't. Me. I don't know. She doesn't owe you any explanation. <laughs> it's, I don't yeah, owe you basically any explanation. Yeah. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club, and we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. 
To participate, simply fill up an Orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So the men's match, I mean, again, the baby faces have the edge. Um, speaking of promos. Oh, dude, I'm, 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 into, I'm way into this match because of one man. And yeah, you, you just said his name right there. He's the best promo in the entire company. Am I off base? He's one of the best promos in wrestling. He is. He's fucking tremendous. And you know why he's the best promo in this company? Because he speaks like a human being. Yes, they, he doesn't cut WWE promos. He has and cadence. He, talks, he has normal human cadence. Normal pro wrestler cadence that goes back decades. He's just a shit talker, and he's not. He doesn't. He he's making no attempts to be cool. He doesn't want you to like him. He tells you you're in your mother's basement. He uses the lowest level insults. You know what I mean on purpose because it's like we're way past the mother's basement thing. But he's using that because he knows it's fucking shitty and we're way past it. He has no intent. He doesn't want anyone to like. He's not trying to be. He's not doing this Kevin Nash thing. Yeah, he's not doing edge. He's, you know, he's not trying to be yeah. a cool heel that, you know, is is so much smarter than you because he's, you know. Yeah, he's a fucking dork that thinks he's awesome. And he's kind of a dork. But what he does is makes fun of you all by, by doing that. He, yeah, he makes no attempt to be a cool heel. He does not want you to even for a second think about cheering for him. Yeah. He's not hauling Nash going out there winking at the fans because, you know, they know there's money in a face turn and they want to stay over with the, you know, he's not trying that. He's just being a dick. And he's a natural talker and he's naturally unlikable. And he's great. And, um, you know, it's like people are going to want to see him get fucking maimed inside this cage. This would be so much better if it was like 1986 Jim Crockett and he was in this match. Oh, he'd come out of the white suit and get bloodied up. And yeah, yeah, it'd be awesome. Ah, they'd fucking destroy him. But it's like, so that takes some of the edge off because it's <laughs> going to be a. No, because he's definitely going to like do like a top rope splash and like pin. You know, he's going to like. Right, you know, right. He's, he might win the fucking match. <laughs> he's going to definitely. <laughs> yeah. He's like at certain points going to beat up both Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Um, for yeah. sure, and that's yeah, that's where, like you said, in, in the modern day, in the old school days, you know, the the, the baby faces would take out, you know, Dunn, Birch, and, and Lorcan and have them in another ring, you know, beaten down or whatever, and then yeah, it'd be like you know O'Reilly and Fish, you know, facing off with McAfee, and they just beat the fuck out of him for like ten minutes until you know the next guy or the next, you know, maybe there, there's an or there's a, a you know two man advantage or whatever, and they just beat the fuck out of him until you know a heel came in and saved the day or something like that. So. Um, yeah, it'd be something like that, but yeah, not, not, not anymore. So he's going to, he's definitely going to like maybe get the visual win and, and, and definitely, uh, uh, get some really cool spots throughout too. <laughs> so well, whatever. Yeah. Or maybe not. Like, I mean, I don't know. They, they are pretty, they are leaning into the old school with him though. There's no doubt about it. They are, but I, I get excited about these NXT war games matches, but then there's no roof on the cage and it's like, it's not the same impact. It's like a nah, watered down version. Yeah, of and it just ends up being like a, a normal plunder match. Like there will probably be some sort of table. There will be a ladder. A guy will go through a table. You know, what I mean, it just ends up kind of being the same plunder that they always do. So it's just an eye candy match. You're gonna see guys go through tables yeah. and a war. I mean, war games matches do stink all the time though. Too. That's one of the great 
I there's agree. Like two, there's I mean, like I, two good ones ever, but people always go, oh, the war games. It's like very over. You're thinking of two really good war games and the rest of them are utter trash, but that's fine. I would listen. I've never been a fan. Uh, you know, I bury some war games matches that people think are some of the greatest matches of all time. And they think I'm not, I just, I've never been a fan of the war games match, but uh, ah, these will be fine. Um, here's again, fucked up psychology, North American title. Leon Ruff, Johnny Gargano, and Damian Priest. Two baby faces and a heel. Again, <laughs> what are we doing here? Why is it a triple threat? Well, I mean, you know the story. I, I know, it's, but it's, like, just come on. Leon Ruff is, is Damian Priest's little buddy. Yeah. You know? He's a comedy champion. The belt doesn't fit on his waist. It's hilarious stuff, Rich. It falls to the floor. Yeah. So Damian Priest is trolling <laughs> Johnny Gargano. So much, as you can hear, he's trolling. You know. It's Damian Priest would rather troll Johnny Gargano with the unworthy jobber being champion than be the champion himself, apparently. But he'll have a chance to take the title back in this three way. So I don't know. It's just the psychology's <laughs> all off again. And what is this doing for Leon Ruff's career? <sighs> Nothing. You're establishing him as now he it could be overcome. I mean, the one, two, three kid overcame it. There's examples. Mikey Whipwreck overcame it to some extent. Um, so, but but it's possible you can get typecasts. So I don't know. Um, I just don't like making that title a joke. But at the same time, it's like I don't really care about NXT anymore. I, I, it's very close to you know main roster levels of not caring. It's not all the way there yet. I still have a flicker of care. But we're getting there. Yeah. No, um, and that's why I wanted to know, too. Like, I, I find it funny, and actually, you know, in our notes, I, I made it, you know, kind of a joke here. I said, special stipulation, singles, professional wrestling match, Timothy Thatcher versus Ciampa. Because yes. the other match we're going to talk about is a strap match. There's a three-way and two War Games matches. And that's our yeah our pay-per-view. So, but It's just, it's you know, NXT especially is just over-inundated with stipulations constantly. It's... um. I don't know, it, it's, it's bizarre. But yeah, we may as well talk about that. So it's just Thatcher and Ciampa are just having a match. And the thing about Thatcher is funny because I'm enjoying him more than I ever have <laughs> yeah. in his entire career. And every time they put him on TV, his quarter hour plummets. <laughs> <laughs> he just plummets to depths unforeseen ever. Well, I mean, that is, that is consistent with his career, though. So, I mean, I get it. It is consistent, yes. I mean, Remember those wars we used to have with people where they're like, oh, it's great. <laughs> like Less people than ever are going to Evolve shows. So I don't know if it, I, I don't know. Like, and the ones that go are booing him. Right, and, they hate it. Yeah, the ones that go are actively turning against the matches five minutes into them. And they're 35 minute matches. When they're over, everyone gets happy and leaves. Like, it, it, I never forget Eddie Dean's Ranch, Dallas, Texas. I mean, Evolve's biggest crowd ever, I think. 1,100 people, whatever it was. And I tweeted out that picture of him, of Thatcher's match. Everyone looking at their phones. Everyone. <laughs> seven rows deep, just staring at their phones. Eerie silence in the build. And those were hot crowds. Stunned. It was stunned Dallas silence crowds. show. Stunned silence. They just didn't give a fuck about this man. And, um, you know, and I, again, I've enjoyed him in NXT. I think he's been super interesting and really good. His court is just fucking bomb 
Now, granted, it's those dope Thatcher, Thatch Ken segments. Yeah. So I kind of get it. You know, other times it's been matches, but I mean, that should be okay. I mean, but, you know, he tapped out Kushida the last time he rolled, and it's like you're trying to put the guy over as this dangerous shooter, and then, like, shouldn't he be the one tapping people out? And he's on this car, Kushida isn't. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, they've they've lost the plot. NXT's for sure. just a mess. Yeah, they're they're a disaster. No, and and then you know the strap match with Loomis and Grimes. It's again the psychology here is the character who's supposed to be a serial killer is the babyface. <laughs> what it's like tamed after two serial. He's the implication is he's a serial killer. Yes, and he's creepy, hides on corners, and he's always watching. He's Sam Shaw with a new name, and Sam Shaw was a serial killer. Talked about garrote wires on Twitter long before Dick Togo. Where is your location? <laughs> Where is your location? Talking about killing people with garrote wire. He's the same character, just without the, you know, they're a little more subtle about it because, you know, PG and everything. But he's a serial killer. And he's trying to kill Cameron Grimes. And he's the babyface. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to well, say? You can't stand no. for uh, whatever Cameron Grimes, Southern Rock fans, or whatever the fuck Cameron Grimes is supposed to be. So. You know, Cameron Grimes, I'll give him credit. He's owning the gimmick. He is. No, he is. He absolutely is. This is not Trevor Lee at all. Like, any, like I forget that, that Trevor Lee ever existed. You know what I mean? Because he comes out and, and he fucking nails it. I'll give him that. Yeah, he definitely is that character, but uh, it's, uh, it's one that's tough to kind of get behind on any level whatsoever. There were, gl- there were glimpses of Cameron Grimes at the tail end of the TNA run when he was a TV jobber. And he was like a delusional heel TV jobber. There were glimpses. But you're right. Trevor Lee's firmly in the rear view. I mean, they've, they've turned Trevor Lee up to 11 is what they've done. And asked him to grow a beard. And, um, you know, it, he's owning it. But... You know the fatal mistake that Cameron Grimes made? He showed them that he has comedic mm-hmm. His career is over. Cannot do that in he that company, ne- ever. Yeah, he can't be a top guy now. Because once you show them that you can be funny or have good comedic timing or do, or, or do really well at being goofy, you're fucked. Because that's what you're going to be forever. You know? It's like a double-edged sword. It'll give you like a little push. It'll get you on TV, but then you're fucked. You know, especially when Vince sees that shit. You're you're finished. So, in terms of, you know, because, you know, Cameron Grimes, his head doesn't hit the pillow at night hoping to be on main event and muck it up with Otis. No, the guy wants to go to WrestleMania and become a millionaire. And, you know, once you show them that you're funny, forget it, you're done. That was NXT. <laughs> I hope you're excited for that one. Uh, Very optimistic about that. Show. I can tell you're. I don't think we're going to be doing an instant reaction live for uh, NXT War Games uh, 2020. I'm, but, listen, uh, I'm game. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What I'm I could be fair here. about the show. I mean, I listen. I'll watch it. Yeah, no I'll see. I'll see what my plans are. So we'll talk about it, of course, next week for sure. But uh, yeah. let, me, let me see how. The, yeah. uh, let's see how the weekend plans out. Yeah. Uh, and see about doing that. But uh, that is NXT TakeOver. Uh, while we're talking about NXT, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this briefly. Uh, WWE announces new additions to the Performance Center. Uh, new class comes in. Uh, the Rascals, two members of the Rascals, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz, long rumored. 
uh, to be coming on uh, now official. Uh, Alex Zane, another one, very, very long rumored uh, to be there. Uh, he is official now. Russ Taylor. They announced him as Russ Taylor, but uh, you may know him as Rust Taylor. Uh, he's an interesting one that we'll, we'll definitely talk about uh, in, in a moment. Joe, I know you're going to be sad about this one. Jiro is gone. So Jiro Higuchi has joined the WWE Performance Center. No more Jiro. We'll talk about that in a sec here. And former WNBA player, uh, Aneriel Howard, I believe is how you pronounce her. Aneriel, I don't know how to pronounce it, but anyway, uh, she's there. Um, as well. So the big ones that we need to talk about here, uh, Desmond Xavier, Zachary Wentz. We'll start out with them. So two members of the Rascals. Uh, we had heard reports, too, that Trey um, maybe did a tryout, but maybe wasn't really looking to to leave or to, to, to join the PC right away. And 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 there we see it is, you know, two members of the Rascals in there. Uh, but Trey Miguel not officially uh, joining the Performance Center right now. Uh, did that surprise you at all? They didn't come in as a full package? Uh, and what kind of expectations do you have for, for the Rascals in, in, in the Performance Center? Well, I, I mean, we talked about them a little bit. I think they're like kind of overrated. Like, I think they're better on paper than in practice, all three of them. And I'll throw, uh, I'll throw Alex Zane in. I mean, you know, they're nothing like the pre-generation of guys scoop. Your ricochets and people like that. I mean, this group that came after, and I know Zane's been around forever, but you know, since really broke through. I just, I there's something these guys for me. Um, you know, it's a little rest, but I'd be surprised if any three, you know, Xavier Wentz or Zane, big WWE careers. Um, will they make it to TV? Will they make it to NXT? Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Do I have big careers? I mean, me, Desmond Xavier has the best chance. Combination of youth, look, work, of the But I'm not particularly high on any of these guys. You know, or the third rascal who 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 hasn't signed, at least as of yet. He's still, it doesn't seem like he's coming in. It seems like he's either going to end stay with impact or, or, you know, try to catch on somewhere else. But I don't know. I'm not really super high on this group. This is, you know, they're part of this group of modern indies that I'm just not very, I haven't been very excited about. Yeah. I, I think um, does uh, of, of those, I, Wentz is a guy who, yeah, in, in, in the idea of, of Zachary Wentz is obviously, like you said, way better than what, what, cause you watch the output and it's fine. Like, I think he's an okay wrestler. Um, he's a guy that I think definitely could have, um, really benefited by just kind of hanging around in the indies for for a bunch more years, but he's 26 already, so it's like you know, is he going to get a whole hell of a lot better in the next five years? And and how is he going to get better? Who's he going to wrestle against to get better? And and that's kind of one of the issues with the indies right now is it's like you know usually you would see a guy and it seems like they're you know halfway there, or just about there, and it's like all right, well, what Zachary Wentz needs is to work with you know Chris Hero for you know a few months, or he needs to work you know uh, against Zach Saber Jr. and Elgin and these sort of guys, and, and 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 you know Eddie Edwards and yada 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 or whatever. And it's like all those guys are gone, you know what I mean? Like all those kind of who is Zachary Wentz going to face that he's going to get better? Again, so it's like I—I I mean, I don't know. He may have already peaked at this point. If he's not already good, I—I I don't know if you know we're going to get too much. And 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 Desmond Xavier, who I think has a lot to bring. I, I I do like Desmond Xavier. He's a guy that I can see improving in the performance center. I could see him absolutely being a guy uh, that that they you know that they look towards and 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 try to do stuff with. At the end of the day, though, both these guys are really small, kind of floopy guys. So it's like there's a ceiling, of course. Especially, you know, in, in, in that company, you know, proper, but NXT as well is, is not necessarily, you know, these days really the breeding ground for a lot of really like great, you know, 
short high flyer wrestlers like that's just not what they are and it's never what they're going to be so i yeah i think there's there's definitely a cap to 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 those guys and what they can become i don't begrudge anybody right now for for joining the performance center given you know what's going on in the world right now and getting a guarantee and and and, you know guaranteed income or whatever um but you know des is a guy who i think you know with a few more years on the indies i think probably could have improved and and seemed like he was probably about to be you know kind of in main events and and on that level and and Wentz is a guy who yeah I just I, I I've never been a big Wentz guy and Zane I mean Zane's like fucking way older than everybody thinks he's been around for 15 years which is hard to believe um for, for a lot of people a lot of people think because because he just got you know big in the last you know year or two uh but yeah he's been around forever he's like you know 34 years old I think I think he's the same age as me and it's like yeah dude it, it it's probably just you know join the performance center and just be an, I I I have no expectations for him whatsoever. Uh, hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Your favorite Alex Zane match? Oh, boy. Uh, the scramble match he had on that GCW show um, that I remember seeing. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, honestly, yeah. I know it's kind of a facetious so, question, but yeah. What, what is, like, the definitive Alex your, Zane indie match? Yeah. What's your favorite Rascals match? Now, look, I'm not trying to beat these guys up, but that's the current generation of indie wrestling. It's just not that good. Rich, if I asked you five years ago what your favorite Ricochet match was, you'd list off 20 matches. Yeah, right, right. If I asked you what your favorite Johnny Gargano match was, you'd list off 20 matches. You'd go right down the line, anybody from that era of guys who got, you know, signed before. Um, all those guys that were working against each other, you know, during that era. Matt Riddle, you'd name a bunch of matches. This current crop of indies just isn't that good. And I'm not just trying to beat these guys up, but, like, you... I liked your facetious answer because the first thing you think about with a lot of these guys is some sloppy scramble match in Game Changer. Three-star scramble match that left you unimpressed. I mean, that's what the modern indies are. and It's not doing any of these guys any favors. You don't have bookers. You have matchmakers. You know, it's Alley Cat versus whoever and scramble match with these guys and they go out there and they have the same shitty fucking match Every time that makes no impression on anyone and doesn't prepare. Now they got signed, but I don't know that, you know, I'm very excited about their chances. Any of these guys. So, I mean, it's just a really weak indie scene and it's not due to COVID. I mean, just in general. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, and as for uh, Russ Taylor, another guy has been kicking around forever. Old school PWG guy from before it was cool. <laughs> this rest, this business um, is so stupid. You know what I mean? This guy's been here. You could you could have signed this guy at any point in the last fifteen years. Yeah, I mean, he pops up on a show and they're ah, we gotta have this guy. We gotta have Russ. Pops Taylor. up in New Japan. Right. Yeah, we gotta have him now. Can't let New Japan get him. <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know that he had any kind of future in New Japan, but the idea being that they're just, you know, sucking everybody up. And, you know, Taylor, good for him. I mean, look. Yeah, he, oh, no, he's absolutely the guy that should sign this deal right away. Yeah, and, and he looked good in, on New Japan Strong. He did. And I didn't see much of his uh, German work, but the people who have said he did a nice job in WXW. I didn't see any of it. Um, I remember him from way back in the day, and I remember him popping up on New Japan Strong, and I'm like, that's Russ Taylor? Okay. And he looked good. So good for him. And then as far as Jiro goes, I mean, I've had enough of Jiro. I, we've talked about it a million times. I just, I'm sick of the guy. I his his act is very cringe, and I'm tired of him and his stupid jacket. And I'm glad I have to watch him in Japan anymore. Um, 
someone pointed out uh who was it was striga eastern lariat right yeah yeah with dylan Har yeah yeah striga i think he made this point on twitter you know he beat the triple crown champion in the champion carnival <laughs> and then they just they know he's leaving god damn it. like what is what is fucking ishikawa doing is Suji Ishikawa the worst booker in the world, he's, not named Bruce Pritchard? He's pretty terrible. Yeah, when, when you talk about uh, we love long-term planning, and I don't know if that man plans five minutes ahead of time. I don't he know if he plans. I, he, I think every match just happens in a vacuum. He just comes the next day and decides, all right, it's like, yeah, you you do not. I mean, especially in, it, it, it's especially glaring in Pearl, where, where uh, you know, even your worst company, right down to like your worst, you go right down to your zero ones or whatever. Even they have like a semblance of, point a to point b to point you know what i mean like they they ever to aw name any pro ever has always had a semblance of okay this met this guy is winning because this matters to the yada 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 you have jiro beat your triple cup champion then leave so we can't get yeah. revenge against him so. yeah like why what did he win doing? that match? like jeez, <laughs> like, and he's such a geek too like to beat your champion you know um yeah suji ishikawa i mean nobody's as bad as bruce pritchard he's the worst i mean he just sucks but suji ishikawa is like right on myself for worst booker in the world um, so yeah i mean jiro i could see him easily being a comedy guy on tv oh he's gonna be the I most successful totally of all these guys of, of all these guys at least i i, I have no idea about you know the, the WNBA woman or, or or whatever but as far as those he guys can't that break her in, down yeah yeah i have no idea i mean yeah. and she's a raw athlete that the WWE performance center claims that they are you know churning out you know WWE superstars from yeah. these raw athletes and i'm uh <clears throat> haven't found a one but hey i'm sure that they're coming sometime um no jiro's gonna be the most over of all these guys I mean, he's ready quickest to go. I mean, to TV. Oh, quickest to TV. Quickest, quickest to, to TV. Yeah, for sure. But but low but low ceiling. Yes. I mean, his career will go nowhere. But he was quick. To, Desmond Xavier has the highest ceiling. Yes, in my opinion, I would agree. Jiro has the quickest path, but a very low ceiling. And honestly, I think the other guys are just guys. I I really don't see big things. For Wentz, Zane, or Taylor? No, they're gonna be they're gonna be a remember these guys guys in a few years. Like uh, in two years, we're gonna say, hey, remember you know when when Alex Zane was like the hot indie guy and and kind of laugh about it type thing. I think I think I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I just don't see it for those guys. I mean, who else could even get signed off of this indie scene? I mean, we're really scraping the barrel here. It's I mean, I really think at this point. The name value indie wrestlers that are remaining are pretty much unsignable. And where you're going to find people are the unknowns, like what AEW is doing with Dark. And they're unearthing these Lee Johnsons and Will Hobbs types. I think that's where we need to go now because, and again, I don't, it, I know how this is going to come off and people are going to get mad at me and everything, but the remaining name value indie wrestlers just aren't signable to me. Like Alley Cat is not signable. Did you see it? She had a quote this week where she said uh, she has not gotten any offers, but she's she's open to, to offers. It's like, well, I mean, eh, look, you know, keep, he's keep. carved out a nice little indie career. I, I would you really consider signing her? I mean, oh, of course not. Um, Nick Gage is unsignable, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, age, injury, uh, history. And, and, you know, obviously he's over like a motherfucker. 
and game changer. Ricky Shane Page is unsignable. I mean, that could go right down the list. These people just aren't signable. So it's like, and these are your name value indie wrestlers right now. Um, there's a couple. I mean, Mance Warner, I expect him to be signed at some point. And, you know, deservedly so. Yeah, yeah. He's going to get scooped up by someone very, very soon. I mean, everyone's got their kind of eyes on him, too. And he's just probably playing it. Because uh, he can perfectly. talk. Yeah. I mean, that guy can talk. There's, you know, he'd be, I'd have him on my TV in a second. You know, and there's some other people who they really need to clean up their fucking act and they could get signed. I'm not going to name those. I have one person in mind who is sabotaging his career. And if he would just clean up his act, he's got size, a good look, he can work, but he's sabotaging his career with some of the decisions that he makes. And I mean, I'll tell you off the air, but um, it's like. Outside of that, it's like I don't I don't see a lot of the big name indie wrestlers being particularly signable types. You know, this wave here, the, these guys were all. But again, I think we're dealing with low ceilings with with, right, with this right. group. I, I think I think in in general to to your you know bigger question, I think we're probably looking in the wrong places. I think you and I and and, and again we talked about this you know in in, in on the show in the past is you and I are still looking at, you know, what, what's the most popular indie in America. Okay. The talent's going to come from there. And, and that's just not the case anymore. That that's done. That, that died with Gabe Sapolsky that died with ring of yes. honor that died with evolved that died with DG USA. That's not the case anymore. GCW is the most popular indie bar none. No doubt about it. Clear as day, but it's not the indie that's churning out the next generation of talent. It's doing its own thing and, 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 and gaining its popularity, you know, independent of, building the next generation of great wrestlers. So now that and, is, that's on us. And so good try- and, and good and good for them. Absolutely. But they're not filling the niche of building the next, right, exactly. So it's up and to it's us like, now to find that new place. It's been easy. For the last 15 years, it's been super easy to find the next generation of great wrestlers. Watch Ring of Honor, watch CGSA, watch Evolve, watch PWG, watch, you know, AAW, watch, you know. It was very easy to find those great wrestlers because the, the big companies, the companies that we considered, the companies we followed, the most popular companies, they were churning them out. They were booking them and they were finding them and they were doing that sort of stuff. That's over now. So now it's up to us to, you know, watch random stuff that we've never seen before. Watch, you know, IWTV on a random, you know, weekday and watch some stuff from Tennessee or, you know, that Dylan Hales is booking or whatever. And, and that might be it. You know what I mean? Like that might be it. There's just places that we don't watch that we don't have our, you know, and, and it's going to be, it's much more, it's much more difficult now to find that next generation because there's not a single booker or a bunch of companies that are, that are congregating around, certain guys anymore which is 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 kind of fascinating that it would get to this point you would think that would consolidate even more and that you know in 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 the modern era it would just be more consolidated whereas now it's almost back in the old territory days you got to keep your eye on like 15 different territories to find you know that next generation of guys and and it's not easy anymore yeah they they, you got to dig deeper now they you know the, the the trendy indies aren't doing that job they're serving themselves very well sure um, but they're not doing that job and and they're not doing these a lot of these indies aren't doing these wrestlers any favors by giving them very little direction not booking them prop you know not giving any kind of i mean you know we've been over this a million times i mean you know nobody cuts promos anymore nobody's put into long-term programs or feuds or given anything to sink their teeth into and they're just told to go out there and, and do spots and and you know again that's very self-serving to the promote. They're not doing talent any favors. Uh, and and I don't really see anybody developing, not at the, the highest level indies, which is so weird to say. It hasn't been like that for 15 years, 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
you know, I was just thinking about this group that got signed and who's next. What's the next wave? I don't think there is one. Yeah, I don't either. I think it comes from deeper down the ladder now. And, um, um, you know, I think that that's the best place. You know, you're going to have to unearth the unknowns. And that's really hard to do during COVID when no one's running shows and travel is tricky. So, um, anyway, that's the – and, yeah, we can't really speak on the – the. Uh, the WNBA player, I, who knows? I mean, she played at Texas A&M, though. She was uh, played played nearby. So, uh, yeah, that's all I know yeah, about her. I know she got drafted. I forget. I don't know what round. I, I yeah, I don't know anything about her, unfortunately. So, I mean, she'll probably be the biggest star. I mean, you have an easier path coming through as a woman because it just it's just numbers. There's less women in the performance center in NXT than there are men. So. Um, you know, it wouldn't stun me at all if she's any good, if, if she ends up having a bigger career than, than the rest of this group. Yeah. The, the, the big problem that's, that's gone on a lot and it, it, you know, I kind of alluded to it earlier when the performance center says like, oh yeah, no, we, you know, we, we turn out, you know, we turn athletes into superstars and all that sort of stuff is that, you know, that used to be the case pro wrestling, you know, you know, the biggest pipeline of pro wrestling would could, was failed professional athletes. You know, people that got hurt in the NFL, people that, you know, weren't good enough for the NFL, had to do the CFL, went into this, you know, couldn't like that. That was it. That was the pipeline for many, many, many years. But it, it has in recent years. And, and, and there's there's countless names that, that I could bring up. So it would take forever to kind of bring those those names up, though. But there's been like, you know, former pretty big athletes that have come in and they, you know, I think a lot of them, they go to the performance center and they're thinking, all right, well, you know, how long do you want me to do this before I can, you know, move on to the next level? Like. You know, this girl is like, I, you know, I got drafted by the Seattle Storm. I was in the WNBA. Like, you know, how long do I have to go in this ring in front of nobody and do hip tosses until I go on T? And it, it, it's it's tough. Like, it's hard. And, and those old athletes, you know, pretty early on, they didn't have to, you know, they were they were pushed pretty early. <laughs> you know, if you had a name and, 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 and you were whoever, like, you got to the top pretty, pretty quickly because you were just a natural athlete and you could figure it out on the way, you know, while you're wrestling. And, and those guys were pushing and they were making good money, you know, pretty quickly, you know, thereafter. A lot of these people, you know. WWE wants you to, to work your ass off in that performance center and work on NXT and do that sort of stuff. You know, a lot of ex-athletes, that's not that appealing. You know, if you if you if you have a fast track for these ex-athletes, I think that would be successful. I don't know how many of them just want to sit there in a fucking empty warehouse and and and, and do deadlifts and hip tosses all day. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's 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 this weird fetish deal where Triple H wants it to be treated like a real sports camp and all this. It's wrestling. Just treat it like wrestling. You know, these guys you're talking about in the 70s and 80s, it's funny. They would just train those guys for a month and throw them on the road. Yeah. They did okay. Yeah, Dr. Death. They went you'll out figure and it out. It's night. fucking Dr. Death Steve Williams. You'll figure it out, buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Stan Hansen, you'll figure it out. Just take people's heads off for a little bit, uh, and then we'll figure it out. And then all he ever did in his career was take people's heads off, and it was fine. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like Because they, they went on the road and wrestled every night. Yeah. You know, they didn't they didn't do drills and, and fucking the, the nonsense they're doing in the PC. Yeah, there was that one guy. He was—I uh, forget what his name was. Um, he had a bunch of concussion issues. Uh, He's—I think he was married or dating um, the gymnast girl. I, I'm, I'm sorry, it's late in the day. I forget who. It was, oh, but... the the, the uh, oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, I what was, was his name? Great. Yeah, uh, um, he should have been. He was just like, yeah, it was bullshit. I'm sick of it. <laughs> like, it's uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, God. I can't remember his name either. He was super athletic. He was um, a flippy do guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a gymnast, and yeah, I think he was. Uh, yeah, I can't remember his name either, but yeah, he. I think he had concussion mm-hmm. issues too, though. And he was just like, you know what? Fuck this. I. I'm not. Uh, Stacy. 
Stacy Irvin, Stacy Irvine, or Stacy yeah, Irvin. Stacey yeah, Irvin, that's yeah. it. That's it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, he was one, and, and there's numerous. I mean, they they bring in athletes every every one of these you know performance center things is is a lot of them are old ex athletes, but yeah, it, it a lot of them don't you know. It hasn't really churned out stars yet because you know it's it, 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 it's tough. So, well, the FNXT was serving its purpose and moving people onto the main roster. Um, you know, it 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 there would be room for people to come up, but because NXT is a de facto main roster show, and you have thirty eight year old people occupying, you know, you have Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole and all of these people, Io Shirai, who have no business being on the developmental show, taking up all the spots because you need to draw a rating. Um, there's no room for people to develop. There's like nobody, there's very few people on NXT who truly belong in NXT that are on television. They all belong on the quote unquote main roster, but this is the main roster now. They desperately need another NXT again. They need developmental for their developmental. You know, so your 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 Zia Lees and your people who really need development can get it. And um, you know, it's it's just it's just I I know people think we do nothing but bury this, but what do you want me to say? Everything's fucked up in this company. Yeah, and it's permeated every uh, every aspect of it as well. Um that's uh, yeah. Uh, used to have the the safe space of NXT, and now you don't even have that. So it's uh, yeah, it is what it is. Well, let's get to a company that's doing everything right, Joe. New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> so um, we'll finish off the show here talking about the best of the Super Junior News uh, and World Tag League. Uh, we are recording this on the third. Uh, I know there's a show that's going to be happening the day after. So some of these scores that we're going to be talking about, some of these you know ratings and and or, or standings or whatever, uh, are not going to be 100 percent accurate as of the time that most of you guys listen to this. But hey, there's the live people listening, and we can only break down what we know uh, at the time. So uh, real quickly, I'll start with the best of the Super Juniors. Uh, here are your current standings, and then we'll kind of talk about um, what we've seen so far, what we like, what we don't like uh, with this tournament. So best of the Super Juniors, uh, El Desperado, Show, Hiromu Takahashi, Taiji Ishimori, all. Have 10 points uh, there. They're all tied for the top spot. Bushi, Master Wato, both at eight points. Robbie Eagles, Ryusuke Taguchi, uh, both at six points. Duki has two points. And Yuya Yuomura, zero points. So uh, what have you seen of the best of the Super Juniors? And, and what do you like so far? What do you dislike? Uh, what are your overall thoughts on, on the tournament? So there's only one more show for Super Juniors before the final. So who's tied for the top here? Uh, Desperado, Sho, Hiromu, and Taiji Ishimori are all tied uh, with 10 points. Okay, Hiromu has Taguchi, Desperado has Eagles, Sho has Uemura, so he's going to win. Mm-hmm. And Bushi has Duki, he's going to win. So it's going to come down to tiebreakers, because those two guys are going to win. Um, I suppose there's an outside chance that Duki could beat Bushi. Um, but in order for uh, Hiromu or... Who's the other one? Desperado. Yeah, so Desperado, Ishimori's Show, out. Hiromu. Yeah, Ishimori, Show, Hiromu, and, and, and Ishimori are all at 10. Oh, Ishimori has 10. Yes, yeah, Ishimori has 10. Bushi is at 8. Bushi is at 8. So I would. Oh, 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 why are you talking about Bushi? Fuck Bushi. Okay, so Ishimori has Watto. He's not. Well, he, he could lose to Watto. How many points does Watto have? Uh, Watto has 8. Watto has 8. So, but, but by. Ver- yeah, he could get to 10, but uh, one of those other guys is going to get to 12. So, yeah, you could have Watto beat him. So Watto's going to beat Ishimori. Um, and if, well, Hiromu lost to Show. 
He did. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So the, the show thing is interesting because um, he still has Ishimori and he has Yu Yu Omura. So he's going to get 12 points. He's not going to lose to Yu Yu Omura. So I guess right. he would have to lose to Ishimori and then Ishimori would have to lose to Watto, like you said. And then that could, well, yeah. <laughs> Three-way tie. You got to get, well, no, yeah. you only need the top two. It, you know, you don't need a tie. You can get, you only need the top two. So Bushi could lose to Dookie is what they could do. Yes. Or, or if the wacky three-way times out to where, you know, but but you could have the Dookie upset too. You could do that. He could beat Bushi. That's not out of to completely out of the question. Um, but anyway, that's the last show, and then the top two will face in the final on. We just did the date the the twelfth. Uh, the eleventh. The eleventh. The eleventh. Yeah, is both finals. So only one more show for the juniors as far as i've seen every single show of the tour now with the exception of the december 2nd show which was a super junior show that's the show where show beat hiromu i'm saying show a lot it's very annoying stop saying show event that's (laughs) that's the event where show beat hiromu to give him the tiebreaker and despy beat ishimori to give him the tiebreaker over ishimori that's how those four guys ended up tied at 10. That's the only show I haven't seen yet. So as far as uh, the tournament itself, look, it's been pretty good. It clearly isn't as good as the last few years. They, you know, we've talked about it. Willow Spray, Shingo, Dragon Lee, um, whatever other outsiders you want to bring up that may have been in it. It it, it, hit, it doesn't have a ton of juice. Hiromu has been the best wrestler in my opinion. I don't think he's having blow away matches but he is having the best matches. There's nothing resembling a match of the year contender. But again, I haven't seen show versus Hiromu yet. People really love that one. Yeah, that, that I, I've not seen that um, either, full disclosure. So, But there's nothing resembling a match of the year contender, and there's usually a few. Um, I only have three matches in this entire tournament so far. Four stars or better in my notebook, which for a best of the Super Juniors is a very low number. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all Hiromu matches. It's the... Uh, I'll give them to you. It's the Hiromu versus uh, Despy match that we talked about where, you know, with the with the chair finish, I went four and a quarter. Hiromu versus Dookie, I went four flat. And Hiromu versus Robbie Eagles, I thought was excellent. It's the best match I've seen so far. I went four and a quarter on that. There have been some other matches that I think have been notable. Robbie Eagles versus Show was a really cool yeah, match. Yeah, I like that match I a mean, lot. That was really, really good. You you know, I could have gone notebook on that. I just, for whatever reason, I didn't. Um, Eagles losing to Hiromu. I mean, they were setting him up for a title shot before the pandemic. I thought maybe he could win that. But Hiromu's not the champ anymore. So, you know, I kind of get, you know, why Hiromu beat him. And then Eagles kind of gave him the thumbs up afterwards. So, you know, Eagles is eliminated, but he's a guy. He only has six points, but he's a guy I think is going to get pushed moving forward. We'll see if he ends up in Empire. But those have been the three best matches I've seen. But Sho and Hiromu is getting a lot of uh, attention as well. Um, the rest has been okay. I mean, you know, uh, you know, last year, for example, every single match Will Ospreay had was a notebook match. All of them. You know, he beat this tournament by himself last year in terms of great matches. And that's before Hiromu and, you know, everybody else, Shingo and who had a great tournament and everybody else. It's just, I don't know, it's a combination of the clap crowds, watered down field, 
lesser field, two of the best guys moving up the heavyweight. It just hasn't been great. It has been watchable, though. The shows are fine. Same thing for the tag tournament. Shows have been fine. Um, I don't have anything from the tag side in the notebook. If you're looking for great matches, there are none. Um, but they've been they've all been good. It's like a bunch of three and a half star matches, three and a quarter star matches for the most part. Except when you get Fale and Chase Owens. Except when you get um there's a couple other teams that that haven't been great. But uh for the most part, if you get Gorillas of Destiny or Dangerous Techers or um you know uh um uh Finn Juice, if you're getting some of your top teams in there. They're going out there and they're having a decent match. And they're watchable shows, but they're very samey. The shows are very samey. The only team that's working a different style is the Empire. Cobb and Ocon are they're they're going out there and they're not having it, it it's it's like they're working different than everyone else. They're not having like traditionally great matches. But to me, their matches have been the most interesting because they're different. I watched them wrestle Dangerous Techers a couple nights ago. It was like a legitimate Southern-style tag with a long heat segment on Zack Sabre yeah, Jr. Yeah, yeah. And Cobb and Ocon are just re- – Cobb is wrestling so well as a heel. And Ocon, I've watched all of their matches because that's the one team where I make sure I watch their match. And then I skip around with the tags. Ocon every night is trying different things. He's experimenting. He's learning to work in the role. And it's it's I feel bad for him because he's doing it in front of crowds that can't react. So it's hard to tell what's working and what isn't in terms of what spots are going to get over, what's going to get good heat, what is working, what's not. What terrible circumstances to have to try to figure out your character. But he's doing it and he's trying different things. And I think he just has a presence that people are underrating. I know people are getting tired of me saying it, but this guy's going to be a star. He just carries himself different. And um, and Cobb's doing a great job. And their matches are all super interesting, even if they're not great matches. Um, you know, two of their losses have been, like, via schoolboy roll-ups. They're not even letting these guys, like, eat finishers. So even being protected in their losses. Um. Yeah, but, you know, as far as the rest of the World Tag League, it's been fine. The one thing about it is you're not getting the truly awful matches because a lot of the old guys aren't in it. There's no 10 Koji, so you don't have to deal with Tenzan. There's no Great Bash Heels, so you don't have to deal with Hanma. And those are the teams that were really dragging it down the last couple of years. Yeah, World Tag League is, is, is super watchable this year. It, it, it's weird because I think, like, I've enjoyed some of the best of the Super Juniors matches a little bit better. Not Not all of them. Like you said, there's only been a few that have really stood out. And there's really, like, there's not a lot of, like, tremendous World Tag League matches, but the shows are watchable as fuck. You, you know what I mean? Like, they're super easy watches. They're, like, two hours. Everyone's working pretty good. Everyone's got some amount. I mean, obviously, with the exception of, of you know, Bad Luck Folly and Chase Owens, uh, to a lesser extent, Evil and Yujiro, two teams I, I could really, you know, not do anything with. But everybody else is, like, working their asses off, working pretty well. No, the matches are not, like, you know, they're not, like, oh, my God, go out of your way to watch 
blank and versus blank or whatever. Like, I can't do that. I really can't say that there's one match that I saw that that really, you know, struck me as, oh, this is a match that you, you absolutely need to check out. But there's been a lot of really good matches. And it's 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 this year more than ever. It's it's good background noise, I, I would say, for the most part. It's not shows that I really sit down and I say, OK, let me sit and take copious notes. But I watch and I go do some other stuff. I watch as a, yeah, and it's fine. Like, it's it's been very, very watchable. I've been really surprised by uh, 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 G.O.D. as well, because uh, I thought they've been really pretty good. Uh, in this tournament, I was fearing that they would just absolutely add uh, to the muck of, of, you know, some of those teams that do suck. But they've been pretty damn good. And, and and yeah, there's enough good teams in there. Shingo and Sonata ha- have made a pretty good unit as well. I'm kind of into that unit and into that group. Uh, and that might be Sonata's, you know, future. Yeah, I'm fine with that if that's what he's going to be uh, as a tag wrestler. Techers, I've enjoyed their stuff. Um, as you said, Okan and Cobb are, are really interesting. Goto and Yoshihashi have been cool. Uh, Finn Juice has been really, really good. And, and yeah, Tanahashi and Hanari has been good. It's been a, a really good tournament, a better tournament than I probably expected it to be. Even if there's not like a tremendous match that I'd say, go out of your way to watch. So, no, I know there's no standout match. I can't, I can't even think of one. Um, I'm counting up last year's best of the super juniors. Um, you want to hear me count on the air? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I hear you because you're using the laptop mic. We hear every turn of the page, so it's fine. So let's count on the air, too. Okay, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I feel like uh, Mike Francesa. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, four, five, six. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Flip over to June. 20. Oh my God! Yeah, I don't think twenty-one. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get that many. Twenty-two, counting the final. Twenty-two notebook matches, counting the final. And I'm looking at my notes, and Hiromu wasn't in it. Yeah, he was not. He was still hurt. So he, if Hiromu would have been in it. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> imagine you had twenty-two without Hiromu. Yeah, I had twenty-two without Hiromu last year. Yeah, with, so and that's with one wrestler. Even, if I remember correctly, didn't it didn't Taka like forfeit and had like ended up missing no, Renda, five or six matches? Ren, or Rendarita was in it for someone, but you're right. I think someone dropped out. You're right. You're right about that. So you're right. There were even less matches because yeah, <laughs> yeah. they lost some matches because of the because of Taka. Yeah, I think you're right. But um, I'm just looking at you know Shing. Remember Shingo show last year and um. You know, all the Willow Spray matches, obviously. El Phantasmo was in it. Marty Skrull was in it last year. Bandito. Mm-hmm. Remember the Shingo Dragon Lee match? Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, him. right there, match year contender. Robbie Eagles Willow Spray was a great match. Dragon Lee was having great matches every night. Um, It's just different. You know, Taguchi was tournament Taguchi. This year, he has not been. No. Taguchi has not been good. Um, so we haven't gotten big match to Gucci and then down the stretch, you know, you had the Willow spray shingle match, which was a match to your contender. And then Willow spray dragon Lee, like four days later was a match to your contender. So we're just not getting that same quality this year and shit. I forgot that Hiromu wasn't in it. I'm counting these matches. I'm like, there's no Hiromu matches, but then I'm like, Oh shit. He was hurt. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is like, the lousiest best of the super juniors in years. I mean, but at the same time, I don't think it stinks. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's just not like usually you could rely on. And, and, and it's one of my favorite tournaments uh, every single year. And that's why, you know, I'm going through, you know, the retro series right now. You know, Rich, are you excited about this tournament? No, I mean, not yeah. at all. I'm watching because no, I have it, to, but like, yeah, I'm not, 
I'm not really sitting down and going, all right, you know, slapping the hands together and going, eh, best of the Super Juniors, let's go. I'm more excited about watching the classic ones because, like, you know, for, for patreon.com slash voice of wrestling or voice of wrestling.com slash patreon, I'm like, I've gotten into like 13, 14, like ones that I remember watching live. I remember discussing with you. I just watched Kushida and Ricochet like yesterday. And like, that's fucking yeah. tremendous. You know what I mean? Like, I got, I got Kyle O'Reilly and Kushida coming up, which was like one of my favorite matches that entire year. I have match of the year level matches coming up. Uh, shortly, so I'm watching those and, and the excitement level and all that sort of stuff, and I'm remembering that this was the tournament that you and I would just get so excited about. We would go on these shows and just go, "Oh my god!" Look, and like this year's fine. Like I like this year's tournament, but yeah, it's just it does not have that same sort of like. I mean, I was Juice. every single match, every single show, every single minute of that entire tournament, uh, culminating in an incredible final. Like this was our tournament. We lo- like as much as the G1. You know, we love the G1, of course. I always like Best of the Super because, like, it was so reliable. You know what I mean? Like, in those past years, that even fucking Taguchi would step up, like we're saying, you know, in those past years that we're talking about, you know, you know, 15, 16, you know, 14, 13. Like, there'd be interesting names. There'd be guys from, you know, companies outside. You know, you had Ricochet representing Dragon Gate. You have Kenny Omega from, you know, DDT. You got, you know, Teton showing up. You got, you know, there was a lot of really cool stuff that this tournament would offer. Alex Shelley was in there. You know, I mean, Kushida was in there. There's a lot of really cool stuff that you would get. And then, yeah, like now this year, it's fine. It exists. It's there, but it's it's just yeah. It is not hooking me um, on any level whatsoever. But with that said, like I enjoy watching the shows, but I I feel like it's more of an obligation that I'm watching the shows rather than me being like, all right, today I'm watching Best of the Super Juniors. Let's go. Like, I'm not waking up at two a.m. to watch any of these shows. I'm watching them when when I have time to watch them. Yeah, it's a you just named like three guys. Like this is not even close. Like. Th- Last year I had 22 matches, and last year wasn't even close to the deepest field. You had years with Kushida and Ricochet and Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish and Will Ospreay and all these other guys. Like so, this you know I don't even think last year was the deepest field, and and this year's forget it. It's like it's underwhelming, but it's still okay. Look at this 14. You want me to read this 2014 field for you? Read off 2014. 2014. Kushida, Ricochet, Takamichi Noku, Matt Jackson, Bushi. Masquerade Dorada, Juice and Thunder Liger, Alex Kozlov. He was he he withdrew, so he wasn't even in there. Uh, that's A Block, B Block, Alex Shelley, Ryusuke Taguchi, Taichi, Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, Tiger Mask Four, El Desperado, Rocky Romero. Yeah, I mean that's, <laughs> that's pretty yeah. good, and that's not even the best field. I don't think. No, that's no. like you know. So this it's it's a, you know, look. It was circumstances too. It's the time of year. It's the COVID. It's the clap crowds, but it's not a great field. It's it's an okay field, um, you know. Watto, I know you're a Watto defender. Here's the thing about Watto. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. What? You're a Watto defender. Am I? Yes. When? I think people go too far in their critique, uh, um, which is probably true. No, but I, uh... do I? He's listen. I don't think I do. I say he's somewhere in between what people say. Well, see, you're a Watto defender. I, don't, I think he stinks, but I, some people say he's like the worst wrestler they've ever seen in their world in their life, and I don't think he's that. He's an absolute dork. But then we, I, I, I fight more against the oh, Watto's amazing. Look at this gif, and it's like a gif of him fucking something up, and I'm like, okay, yeah, like that's okay. the like look at him do this roll off, and I'm like, he fucked it up though. <laughs> like I don't know if that's the best let me, example. Let me tell you something. He's been the worst wrestler in this tournament. Oh, by far. Oh, no doubt. It's either him or Taguchi. Yeah, and Taguchi is like. It's and Taguchi's Taguchi. like fine. Yeah, Taguchi's yeah, going to yeah. go out there and give you a professional performance at minimum. 
He's just not having great matches. But Watto is worse than Bushi, who who is who is the trendsetter for shitty uh, juniors for me in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Bushi's been aggressively okay uh, in this yeah. tournament. And, and the other guys the, blow him away. Dookie blows Master Watto away. It's not even fucking. Oh close. my god! Not even different universes. Dookie's been better than those three. Yeah. Oh, Dookie's been top half of this entire tournament for me. Ah. I I think about it. Think about it. Go over the matches. Top half. Okay. Let's see. Okay, well, Hiromu, okay. Yeah, he's not better than Hiromu. He's not better than no, Desperado. He, he he hasn't been better than the following people. Hiromu, Sho, Eagles, Despi. No yes. way. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, th- mm, I think I can make a case that he's been better than Ishimori. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I agree. Ishimori mails it in half the time. He's a lazy motherfucker half the time. That guy is so talented. He mails it in, I think, every time. Like, <laughs> I know. I don't know what. I don't know if he's actually. I don't know what. I. He's a guy who I feel like for the last five years, every time I, I open up a Taiji Ishimori match, I go, "Here we go," and then it's like never. It's like there's the match against Hiromu that that best of the Super Junior Final. Of course, enough, that's yeah. fucking tremendous. It's like incredible. Yeah. But he'll do that. He'll sprinkle in like once every three years. He'll have a great match, and you're like, "Yeah, let's go." This dude rules, and then he comes out, and most of the time, he's disappointing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I've always kind of felt that with him. I don't know. He picks his spots. Yeah, for sure. So Dookie might barely be top half. Uemura's been good. Yeah, I, I guess I would probably... It'd be a, 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 an interesting discussion between him and Uemura uh, for, for that top half. But Watto, the thing with Watto is like... I don't know. I don't think he's like don't a terrible... Don't call me a Watto defender, by the way. That, 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 those are fighting words. Get out of here. I think you're a Watto defender because... <laughs> You said he's in between. Here's the thing. He's the only person in this tournament capable of killing another human with his botches. It's like, I, I worry about him sometimes. <laughs> like, the shit that he tries, he tries shit over his head. I don't know. He's awkward. He's a very awkward wrestler. Um, we do know that he got the old I did what I could do with a Watto from someone in this tournament. Oh, you're right. I forgot we got that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say no more, but he we it's funny because it's like I forgot we that got puts that. Him, yeah. That puts him in Yujiro class. Yeah. Where yep. his his peers kind of think he stinks too. So Yeah. The quote was like the same. I did what I could do with a Watto. Yeah funny right yeah i got the most out of watto that i can or something like that was no it was i did what i could do with a lot yeah yeah Uh yeah, Yeah. something like that which is not not great not so great um anyway that's look the super junior to me is is underwhelming by super junior standards but just completely fine and the world tag league has over delivered to some extent but it's also just perfect fine like so they're both just perfectly fine I can't say that any of this is essential viewing. No, I, yeah, I would say no. Uh, I, I would say, you know, I have not watched the, sh- the, 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 the show Hiromu match, which I heard about. I mean, that might be, uh, people have, have put it over pretty highly. But people put over Hiromu and Robbie Eagles a lot, too. And I like that match a lot. 
but it's not one that I would like. If somebody asked me, "Hey, do I have to watch this match?" Like, I'm, I'm pressed for time. Do I have to watch the match? I don't. I I liked it, but I don't think it's that. You, you know, I don't think it's that good. And I saw people throwing on you know four and a half and five, and I'm like, dude, get out of here. <laughs> it's not that good. So, um, I don't know. I think people are really like they want. They really so badly want you know, some matches in this tournament and this tournament and, and, and in New Japan to be, you know, doling out those incredible, incredible matches that we've seen in years past. And I just don't think they are right now. And that's fine. It's okay that they're not. Russell Kingdom will be an interesting case. We'll see We'll see where it goes. But yeah, I don't know. I, 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 again, I say this without seeing Show and Hiromu, and that seems to be the consensus best match uh, of the juniors so far. Yeah, so we, yeah. I, I, I'll, we'll find out after that. But other than that, no, I don't think anything is essential viewing like you're saying. Uh, but I have still, with that said, enjoyed watching these shows just because they're, they're fine. They're okay. They're decent wrestling, but yeah, it's, it's it's not go out of your way to check out type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I think that is it for us, Joe. Anything else you have on, on mind? No. Okay. I have to pee. Yeah, you got to pee. All right. I kind of have to as well. So uh, let's get you that new headset. So sorry again about the audio quality, but I think we made the most of it uh, with the laptop mic. But that is it for us. Uh, Voicesofwrestling.com uh, for all of the uh, content we have, reviews, previews, all that other good stuff, columns, patreon.com slash voice wrestling, our winter's coming uh, review that we did the instant reaction live uh, last night. Also $10 gets you the live flagship if you want to listen uh, to us live. Uh, but that is it for us. So for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care. <laughs>